you're listening to Jeff Grant's Evolving Podcast, a podcast that's dedicated to Better Call Saul again today. Hi, I am here with my friend Jack again. Uh, we, a few months ago, we did a like a, an episode preparing for the sixth season of Better Call Saul. I think that was, I guess that was early April. It feels like it was like five years ago. I know. But yeah, I think it was early April. <laughs> I was listening to it. Uh, the other day and I was like the beginning of the season seems like so long ago both in my life and in the life cycle of the show it's been like an eternity (laughs) (laughs) we thought about doing an episode like in the middle and then I think we we just didn't get around to it but uh so we're we're kind of putting this out a little bit late maybe a couple weeks after the episode aired but we've had time to think through it and we had to let it let it rest a little bit, you know. It's yeah. like a good piece of meat. You don't want to just pull it right off the the grill and you know get to it. You want to let it sit for a minute, you know. And there's a lot to think about, and we both obviously have a lot of thoughts about this stuff. I will say we're going to talk for a few minutes about just some general TV stuff we've been watching, and then we're going to switch into Better Call Saul. And once we do, it's going to be like spoiler stuff. So if you haven't seen all of it, it's all spoilers, guys. Yeah, be we're warned. we're going all the way. It's, this is for people who have, who have watched it or who don't care. And if you don't care about getting spoiled on Better Call Saul, like, yeah, that's I don't sad. know if that's yeah, I don't know if that's a good approach, but yeah, you could do that. Just let us spoil the whole show for you and then watch it. Yeah. So, I'm trying to think. How have you been doing? <laughs> <laughs> we coming. That's a nice nice delivery on that line. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny because uh, Jack and I we we were like in elementary school together. In high school, like middle school and high school. And speaking, then, of the, speaking of that real quick, did you like, see on Facebook the other day someone tagged you in a photo of when we were kids? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you see my that? My sister showed me that. I was it your who, sister? I don't know who tagged you. Well, I think my sister put it on there originally, but somebody else oh. tagged you. Oh, but okay. it was like me and you, at like I think it was Turner Falls when we were like yeah. 10 or 11 or something. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm trying to remember that. I, it's, I didn't even remember it at first. I was like, it was probably oh, like fourth grade or fifth grade or something. Yeah, like we were young. We were like, yeah, we were young, nine, ten, eleven, something like that. We probably hung out more as in elementary school than well, I don't remember hanging out a whole lot. We were in Boy Scouts together. In Boy Scouts, yeah, yeah, Because yeah. me, me and your dad were both. Our dads were both scoutmasters. Yeah. So, so we kind of. I, th- I think it was like. I feel like it was like fourth and fifth grade where we probably yeah. hung out the most. Yeah, we did a magic show together. <laughs> oh, that was bad. That was bad. And we, <laughs> we did a Boy Scouts together. Uh, we, did, we did some stuff together back then. Yeah, that, I can't remember <laughs> if we talked about that in one of the other earlier episodes, but Jack was like excited about doing the, this magic, and he, he had he, he invited me to like help be his like assistant or something, <laughs> and like... He he was actually good at it, and I. I yeah, was, we were. It was like you know, like a whole like auditorium to full be, of. To parents be kind, and stuff. you were not as good at it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of the thing. A thing where like you're standing in front of like you know, two hundred people or something, and right. we're doing like a, I'm like doing a card trick, and I'm like. Well, that was my first advice because you wanted to do a card trick. I'm like, you know, we're going to be on stage. Like they're not going to be able to see the cards. Like. <laughs> yeah. Did we use like big cards or? I don't even know if we did that. I think. I just remember being like, your card is the three of spades. And, and it she wasn't, was like, right? no. It's like, oh, it's uh, the, uh, every time I, everything was wrong. And I think it ended yeah. up being like, people were laughing. It was entertaining, but true, true. not the way we wanted it. Not to we wanted that. to like blow their minds. Yeah. Well, I was like planning on my per- career as David Copperfield and that didn't quite work out, but. 
That was my my dream as like a ten year old was to be a professional magi- magician, but you know, so much for that. Maybe there was somebody else in our elementary school who would have helped you a little bit better. I don't I hope I didn't I had, ruin your. Well, Blake dream. helped me one year, and Dustin Livingston helped me one year. I think it was the two that helped me. Yeah. You're like I'm not going to ask that guy again. Right, but I, I ended with you, and that was what that was what ended my magic career. I was like I'm I'm done with this. <laughs> I, I'm I'm not going to. I don't want to dwell on that because I'll feel bad. You disillusioned me. About too much. Yeah, it's all, it's all your fault. But I was going to say, like we we were friends like then, and then after we graduated high school, I don't think I saw you until probably last, last December year. when yeah. I came over here to record. So we hadn't really kept we kept in touch kind of on Facebook and stuff, but yeah, it's kind of funny to just suddenly see somebody and you're like, okay, we're talking about TV, and I don't know, <laughs> I don't, we don't really know right. what we've been up to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we talk on Facebook like you said, but we don't hang out on a regular basis. So, but yeah, I've been working a lot. You know, uh, like I was telling you earlier, it's a real busy time at TCU, so I've been working a lot. And uh, what have you been up to, man? Uh, I've been I've been writing a this book and I put it out like last week <laughs> kind of on a Amazon like a, a Kindle oh, really? kind of book wow so you're that uh, far ahead I didn't know you were all finished with it yeah uh, that's what I've been working on since like last November or so I need to I kind of I'd been working regularly and I at like a Home Depot mm-hmm. and then I'd, I'd saved up some money and then kind of have been focusing on that and uh, doing little odd jobs here and there but I'm kind of at a point where I'm like, I need to get, I need to find a, like a paying job because uh, doing like it helps. writing books and singing songs on the internet doesn't really pay money or podcasts. It can yeah. pay money. I need to get some like sponsors. If anybody wants to pay us for this podcast, let us know. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah. We're open to it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it's going to tear us apart. I'll be like. He'd be like, I deserve more of the percentage of this. Anyway. Yeah, I think we should split it 70-30 my way, personally. <laughs> but uh, but no, that's cool, man. Like, follow your dreams, honestly. Um, I've written a few books myself, but they never got yeah. published. So, I, Well, I didn't I didn't do the traditional publishing thing. Like, yeah. I was, I'd started writing, like, query letters to, like, agents and stuff. And then I was just like, I think I just got discouraged. I was like, man, this is a lot to go through. It is, yeah. And then I was... If you're lucky, you get a rejection letter, which you usually don't even get that. But if you're lucky, that's what you get. And it's yeah. Like, oh, Everything I was I reading about yeah. it was like, you know, like this is, this could take a few years and all this. And I'm yeah. like, I kind of just was like, I like what the book is. I just want to put it out so I, you can put stuff on like. And people who haven't written a book before, and like, and you can experience, you know, this now is like, it takes a long time to write a book. Like it's a lot of work. And then there's yeah. the editing process itself, which takes a long time. And then there's getting it ready for a publisher to look at it, getting a good manuscript. And then you do all this work for, in my case, my book was like two and a half years altogether wow. before I finished it. And then you do all that work and then you send it out there and people are like, yeah, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's kind of like... Thanks for the work, but yeah, that's not good. Yeah. I know, it's and it's weird when, like, yeah. It's kind of the main thing I've been working on for a little while. So it was, it's weird to put it out and then you're like, I'm excited about this, but nobody really... Yeah. cares that much which not to be like down about it but it's it's a weird experience you're like well i guess this is just how it is <laughs> yeah it's a very it's a very hard thing to do to yeah. write and sell a successful book so i'm proud of you man that's good oh thank you good for putting it out there yeah so what do you want to do first um, you want to do the tv shows 
Yeah, I, I was going to mention a few shows I've been watching just, and where you said you hadn't been watching a whole lot. I have not, yet. so you can do most of this segment. I have like one new show I'm watching, which we can talk about a little bit. And then I've watched a couple of shows that aren't, they're not old, but they're not new, new either. So if you want to get into those, but yeah, go ahead and start off. Uh, you, uh, I, I was going to mention the new Game of Thrones show. I watched the first episode of that. Okay, how was that? I I liked it. I, I, it was very uh, like well produced, and mm-hmm. it was more. It's a prequel to Game of Thrones, right? Yeah, House of the Dragon. And I, I Game of Thrones is kind of funny because it's such a huge show. Were you a big Game of Thrones fan when it was? I, out? I liked it. I watched it, but I, and I I liked it a lot. But I didn't. I'd always anytime I talked to somebody about it, I was like, they like this show more than I do. I was like but, really in on it through like season five and then a lot of people say the finale wasn't very good but i actually thought season six and seven weren't that great honestly i was oh, all like, together i was kind of losing interest in it by the time it got to the last season yeah. that was like falling apart a little bit it wasn't terrible but it was like compared to what it was the first five seasons i was like yeah it's not really like that yeah i, I think i was interested in the story but I, I wasn't like super deeply invested in it so we're like when it ended i kind of Thought it was interesting. It like didn't an affect interesting you as much ending. the ending the way. But it was I was, yeah. People. yeah. I, people would be like, "Oh, they ruined it." It was so built up for them, and it kind of didn't. I guess I didn't care as much, but I, I like. I thought it was like entertaining and kind well, of it interesting. Was, it was a show that really oddly had to stick to landing compared mm-hmm. to most shows. Like I can watch other shows and compartmentalize and say, "Okay, well, the last season wasn't very good." Like Dexter, I liked the first four seasons. And then it's kind of terrible after that. But it doesn't yeah. bother me that it was terrible. Like, it's still like, hey, just watch the first four seasons. Yeah. But Game of Thrones is like everything was building to this climax. And like, who's going to be on the Iron Throne? Mm-hmm. What's going to happen to the other people that are competing for the Iron Throne? And so when it just kind of fell apart in the last couple of seasons, I think that's what really let people down. It's like, you've invested a lot of time and energy and emotion into the show. And it just kind of didn't deliver at the end. You know? I'm curious how the... Uh, the new show is going to be because it sounds it seems like it's more like where game the original show was about all the drama like throughout all of Westeros like mm-hmm. in the different houses and everything and this one seems like it's I think it's more focused on the Targaryen, on the family, Targaryen and, family and like kind of all mainly in King's Landing and kind of it seems like it's more of a fa- family drama right. than like a whole political kingdom yeah, thing kinda. so okay. I'm curious how different it'll be but it I mean, feels I might, like Game of Thrones, which was kind of yeah. That was a thing where I was like, I don't, I wasn't thinking about it as in that way, but I was like, wow, this actually feels like watching Game of Thrones again, which is kind of the whole point, I guess. Right. I mean, you want to deliver the hits for the people that like Game of Thrones, but I'm also not a big mythology guy too, where I need all the backstory. You know, oh, did you read that book? Yeah. And it has this in it, and like, I'm not that guy. Yeah. I did read the first book um, a long time ago. Um, I think it's Song of Ice and Fire is the first mm-hmm. one. But, you know, my ex-wife read all the books. Like, people I know have read all the books. And they're like, oh, you, if you read this, it would make sense. And I'm like, well, no, the show should be good regardless of whether yeah, I, I read TV the book show. or not. Yeah, So that part of it I'm not that invested in. But, like, I'll probably check it out at some point because I do like dragons. Yeah, if you, yeah, if you like that stuff, it's... As George R. R. Martin once said, it's just tits and dragons. So. It is. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't go wrong with that. I mean, It sounds like he's more... Of a more a part of this show, yeah. Well, I'm sure after the way Game of Thrones ended, he's probably wanting to be a little more hands on with it. Yeah, than this one. Yeah, and anyway, like other shows, like uh, I've, there was a show that I was thought was really funny and well interesting was the rehearsal. I don't know. If- well, I actually was hoping you would bring this up because I'm almost 
I had, I canceled my HBO like a couple months ago because mm-hmm. I canceled a lot of stuff because I'm really not watching TV anymore. Um, but I'm thinking about getting HBO back just to watch the show because I'm like everything I've heard about it sounds really cool. It's a uh, if you haven't heard about it, it's by this guy Nathan Fielder who did the show Nathan for You, which, which was like is on, one of the funniest shows ever. Yeah, I never had seen it until like a couple years ago when I had COVID. I I was like. Yeah. This is supposed to be good, and I started watching it, and I watched like all of it, like all four seasons, like sister. <laughs> so it, it's a it, when he has the robot that's going to pull his pants down and <laughs> expose himself, and, <laughs> and he has like ten minutes or whatever, get out of the the, the handcuffs or whatever. <laughs> it's a, one of those shows where like I can see so, a lot of people not liking it, but it's it kind of and dumb Starbucks. It makes fun of reality <laughs> TV, and it's like it's kind of done in the format of reality. Well, it's done like a, like a bar rescue or a kitchen nightmares <laughs> where it's like these experts come in to, you know, quote unquote, help you with your restaurant or your business or whatever. And he's like trying to help these businesses, but it's always like the stupidest ideal on the planet. <laughs> like he tells the frozen yogurt yeah. shop to have like uh, uh, poo flavored uh-huh. ice cream or, or poo flavored yogurt. That's like the first episode. Yeah, that, I think that's the first episode. He's like, you want to get people talking. <laughs> and people will like taste it. And he's like, what does it taste like? And they're like. <laughs> yeah, they're talking, but they're talking about how bad your product is. Like, so his ideals are like really dumb, but they're also—I mean—they're hysterical. Like, it's a, so yeah, yeah. The rehearsal is—it's uh, like on HBO. It, it was just like six episodes, but basically, he wanted to give like if you're going through your life and you're 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 in a difficult situation, he wanted to like give people like a, a an opportunity to rehearse like difficult conversations or something. Right. So like like in the first episode, there's this guy who I'll try not to say too much. Yeah, and I will say because I've heard about the show. Don't spoil it too much because it is one of those shows where like the, the reveal yeah the is fun kind of, of it. part of it. A lot of it is like someone doesn't want to talk to like their brother or something, and he'll find out like a place where they eat lunch a lot, mm-hmm. and so he'll like recreate the the restaurant like in some studio somewhere. Yeah, and he'll hire all these like actors to to play all the different parts These of like the different like, like people who work there and, yeah. and the guy's brother and it's so like so then the the participant will go in and they'll start talking like <laughs> and they'll, they'll try to like bring up the difficult conversation thing and then Nathan Fielder's like <laughs> standing behind him with like this this laptop like on a little th- <laughs> like you've probably seen pictures of it. <laughs> it's like he's like writing the script as like they're right. they're acting it out and he's like so then later on, later on he'll be like when the, when we talked about this, it started to get kind of difficult. So I think you could probably steer it, steer the conversation more to like the mm-hmm. sports or some sports you like yeah. or something. It's it's really like it's kind of like a Synecdoche, New York that right. movie where it's like they could keep recreating like all this stuff and it's this is a very interesting it, movie. Yeah, it, I will say that it starts off really funny and as it goes, it gets like deeper and deeper to where you're like that's what I've heard. Am I as this is like just. It, it's a lot to think about. It's people it's have crazy. either been they think it's brilliant, one of the best things that's ever been done, or they think it's like kind of offensive, like it's like messing with yeah, people's lives it, and stuff. Yeah, I've kind of I don't want to say too much, but by the end of it, I was like, did I like that or did I? I thought it was yeah. really interesting, but I wasn't sure if it wasn't like funny, funny like Nathan for you, but it was. I haven't seen it to give an opinion on it, but yeah. I have like because Bill Simmons talked about it on his podcast yeah. last week, and I was like really I, I like the concept of it. It seemed really cool. And having seen Nathan for you, I was like, yeah, I can see how this could work and be really funny. If you're into that kind of stuff, I think it's definitely worth watching. I don't know who likes that kind of stuff. but 
No, I want to see it. I'll yeah, probably, would... I'll probably renew my HBO just to get that in the House of the Dragon. So, I don't want to talk too much about stuff. Other stuff I'm watching, I'm watching because I could keep going. But I'll just give you one real quick because I, yeah. I did finish The Boys and um, I finished um, Stranger Things a yeah. few months ago. So those are both really good. But everyone's talked about those. But this is a new one I'm watching is uh, called Sandman on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen that at all? Uh, I haven't seen it. I remember hearing about it, but I didn't. How is it? It's incredible. Like Oh, really? But it's so dense and so complicated. Like, I don't want to say complicated, but like it's one of those where you really have to pay attention to a lot of stuff. And so I would say it's probably not as accessible as some other shows. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you're familiar with the comic books by Neil Gaiman that wrote them back in yeah, the 80s not really. and 90s. I know they're influential. Well, I mean, they're more graphic novels, I would say, than comic books. But yeah. this is back in like DC's kind of heyday in the late 80s where they were doing like The Watchmen and Frank Miller was yeah. doing his Batman. And Anyway, they were doing these kind of experimental um, comic books. And Neil Gaiman wrote for him, and he did this. I think it was actually a spinoff. I don't think it was DC, but it was like one of their subdivisions. But he did this series called The Sandman, and it's this like deeply like mythological world where you know how like there's uh, the agent of angel of death, you know, and like okay, he takes people when they're asleep. Well, this is a world where there's like these different angels. Uh, well, I shouldn't say angels; they're kind of like mythological characters, but each one represents like one of them is dreams, one of them is death. One of them is Delirium. There's, like, different ones. I think they're called wow. <laughs> the... I can't remember what they're called. Anyway, there's, like, a group of them. But this is, like, a story about one guy who's, like, his son has died in the war, and he wants to bring him back to life. And so he's, like, a, a dark magician, and he figures out a way to, like, capture death, supposedly. And he's going to, like, basically entrap death to bring his son back to life. Hmm. But when he does the spell, it doesn't capture death. It captures uh, the dream guy the Sandman and the Sandman is not responsible for death he's just responsible for your dreams but wow. in doing so he's like kind of unleashes this like terrible stuff on the world because the Sandman also is like in charge of nightmares and like other stuff and he's basically not there to control this world like the waking world now is, has all this stuff unleashed on him because he's not there to regulate it anymore and it's like it's kind of it's like really I know that's like really dense description just all <laughs> it just says like people are like what the you know but it's actually really interesting. Like, it's on Netflix. You said, yeah, it's or? on Netflix. There's like ten episodes, I think. Okay, I think I saw they did an extra episode or something. Or right, they did, but I haven't gotten to it yet. But yeah, they did. It's they weird did to like not have seen a show and know there's like bonus stuff. But I mean, the people that have read the graphic novels, which I haven't, but the people who have said it's like some of the best I've ever written. Wow. Like, like, like the Watchmen, which I did read, is like one of the best graphic novels ever written. Mm-hmm. Like, it's on that that level. Okay. Anyway, if you're really into like fantasy mythology stuff you should check it out cool okay from now on we're going to be talking about better call Saul. so buckle up first we're going to talk about the uh finale kind of as a whole just about the finale we're going to focus on that and then we're going to talk about season six as a whole and our thoughts about all that and then we're going to do the whole show and we're going to do kind of awards we're going to give out some awards we, we that's the out. segment i'm looking forward to the most yeah so, this was our, jack's our idea and it was it was a, i was like oh that's interesting yeah we're going to go back to the show we're going to give some awards for our favorite moments characters scenes etc that kind of stuff so i was worried when i saw that i was like do i know the show well enough to i kind of had standout moments which i guess are probably the ones that might win things but that, that'll be fun to get to and then uh, I had to go back through it a little bit, honestly, because there was stuff I kind of remembered, and I had to like be like, okay, when did that happen? So, yeah, I did a little research. Yeah. After that, we're gonna 
just talk about Better Call Saul and like Breaking Bad and just all of it as a whole and like where it fits in TV. Yeah, and kind our, of like tying opinions. them together in TV and like our final thoughts on the two shows and that, yeah. that kind of stuff, which would be cool. So we're going to kind of get wider as we go. Anyway, okay, so the finale aired last well, last know, Monday night. I know it was a Monday, but it wasn't last Monday. It was two, think, Monday, two Mondays ago? Yeah, it was almost two weeks ago. It was like about 12 days ago, I think. What was your experience with the finale? Well, I was like really excited about it. Like Monday's like a terrible day at work. It's always <laughs> it's always like the busiest day and it's a Monday. And then I was like, but that particular Monday I was in a super good mood because I was like, okay, I'm looking forward to the ending of this. Like I'm really like, I can't wait to get home and watch this. Like get ready to watch it. And it's like one of those just incredible episodes of television where you, know, you just watch it and you're like, wow, that was that was something. I mean, you know, the finale of Breaking Bad was kind of the same thing. Um, some episodes of The Sopranos, like, I don't know if you remember the episode Whitecaps and The Sopranos where <laughs> yeah, the big so. fight episode between Tony Soprano and his wife was like one of those oh, big... season four. Yeah, I think it's, it's not, the, I don't know if it's a season four finale or it's close to the finale, yeah. but it's like when they have the big explodes. blow up where like it looks like their marriage is going to end and everything. Or I've, I've talked about Mad Men, Shut the Door, Have a Seat, which is the episode where... Don leaves his agency and he gets divorced in the same episode. But there's like these kind of like pivotal episodes in television. And obviously there have been many in, in Better Call Saul, but this was one of those where you like, the finale was just really spectacular. And yeah, it was, it was emotional for me, honestly. Like it really affected me, like watching it. It was more emotional than I was expecting Yeah. to me. I think going into it, I was thinking about like the plot of like, is he going to get caught? Like, what's going to happen? Is Kim going to be in it? You're just like, is he going to die? Like, is it going to, is it going to be a big thing or is it going to kind of be a small story or? Yeah. And it felt like with each episode leading up to it, it was like the walls are kind of closing in on this guy. Mm -hmm. And does he have a way out? And if he doesn't have a way out, what's going to happen to him? And then the Kim stuff too was just like, I mean, we'll, we'll get into it later, but like the waterworks episode where she's just, devastated by all these things that have happened to her so you have all this like emotional weight from the show leading up to that finale and then it's like well how do they resolve this in a way that's accurate but not you know so sad that like i'm just like devastated by it and i think they did a good job of like it's sad and it's touching but it's also it, it feels hopeful at the same time so i think they did a great job wrapping it up did it go the way you thought it was gonna go at the very end kind of i i Definitely did not see it going that way at the start of the season, for sure. Um, but at the very end, I kind of felt like, yeah, he'd probably get caught. Um, I guess there was, you know, in theory, he could have, like, used his money from the schemes or his diamonds or whatever to start another life, you know, call the vacuum guy or, you know, get out of there somehow. But I didn't feel like that would be authentic to the show. Like, it didn't feel like we were doing all this emotional baggage, like all this work from these previous episodes just to have him, like, escape or whatever you know yeah a lot of the one thing that surprised me a little bit when i was watching it until i thought about it because it's always been a show about like introspection and, and kind of mm-hmm. who these people are and like the reasons they do what they do and it's such a character study to where like the last episode was a lot of it was about him kind of he's he gets caught and he's kind of dealing with who he is and who he's gonna be and like kind of accepting responsibility i thought it was interesting because it a part of you wants him to be saul goodman and right like kind of weasel out of it 
and they give you that. And they give you that. They yeah. give you that ending. Yeah. Then when he sees Kim, and when I first watched it, I didn't like uh, the cameos and stuff uh, with Mike and Walt and Chuck. I didn't understand totally what their the purpose was the first time. And then I'd listened to some interviews, and they were Peter Gould was talking about he wrote and directed it, the finale, and he was talking about how like he saw them as like kind of like the it was like a the Christmas Carol. They were kind of like the ghosts of Christmas right. past. And I rewatched it last night. And it was really interesting to kind of hear a lot of what their the conversations are. They're kind of it's almost like as if uh, Jimmy is looking back, and and that's kind of where he's where his character is at. Because mm-hmm. at at first he's kind of he just wants to like make money and all this kind of stuff, and then he's questioning that in the second one with Walt a little bit, and then right, and then the third one it's kind of with Chuck, and it, it kind of come brings it all back home. In a way, which I thought, I know some people probably watched it and they were like, oh, he gave up the seven year sentence for like 86 for, for no reason or, or whatever. But I thought it was a real, really interesting thing as like a, for the character, because it's basically, he realized that Jimmy was like his true self. You know, he kind of had to take responsibility as, it's kind of, a, it's really pretty deep, like what they were doing with it. He felt like he'd kind of gotten away with it as Saul Goodman. But then I think seeing Kim and and reflecting back on it, he realized like he had to go deeper and kind of take more responsibility for for it in a, in a way or something. Yeah, and I think piggybacking your ideal or this, the ideal you heard about it being like a Christmas Carol, you know that book and the movies, of course, are, are they're kind of about time travel in a way. It's like you're getting to see these moments in your life, and what if you had done something different. And in the theme in that episode is time travel. Mm-hmm. You know, Chuck is reading the time machine at the end, and he talks about with Walt and Mike and all these guys. Like, what if you had a time machine? What would you do? What moments would you you know go back to? And at first, like you say, he's talking about oh, I go back and I'd make money or whatever. Or Walt tells him, you know, I'd, I'd go back and do you know my company over. I keep the company. He's, I think he jokes at the first one with, with Mike or maybe it's Walt. I can't remember when, he's, when he says he would go back to Berkshire Hathaway or whatever and invest yeah. in it just to make money. Um, but by the end, you're like going back and saying, well, what if I hadn't done these decisions that I made? What if, what would my life be like now if I could go back in time and redo those things? And obviously, you know, he doesn't have an actual time machine. But in the construct of the show, it's beautiful the way it's directed because by the end, he has kind of looked back on those moments We've seen them and go, okay, I could do that differently now. I could change that now. I can't go back in time and change anything, but I can change what my life's going to be from this point going forward. And I think that was the most important thing to him when he's talking to, to Kim at the end. was like, if I'm just honest now and I, I do the right thing, then at least I didn't end up like those other guys ended up. You know, I don't end up like Walt. Like, I actually have a re- redeeming quality. He regained himself. himself he, yeah. That was the thing that like kind of hit me. Or you were talking about it being more emotional than, or it would have been emotional for you. And I hadn't yeah. expected it to be moving in that way. I was thinking, like, the whole series, it's all about him becoming Saul and all this. And you're kind of almost wanting him to yeah, become Saul. Exactly. And then in the last episode when he says, uh, I'm Jimmy, I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, that hit me because you're... It's kind of funny because you... You're wanting you, to That was, like, one of the first and- times in the <laughs> series where I was... I wanted, I mean, I, you want him to be Jimmy. The whole series, you're kind of like, man, I kind of wish Breaking Bad hadn't happened because you want him to 
you don't and, and you, you reframes, know where he's headed and you don't want him to be there it's funny because it reframes his character in breaking bad in a really profound way because you think about him as like a clown you know in breaking bad he's a goofball he's the comic relief you know and he is in breaking bad but then you're like well how did he get to that point well this is his defense mechanism this is his way of dealing with all this emotional pain that he's been through is he's just shut himself down to all that and so he's created this persona and I mean, we'll get back to it when we get to the season six stuff, but like that scene where it dissolves into him being Saul for the first mm-hmm. time. I can't remember if it was like the finale of the first half or... I can't it was like remember episode it was. nine? Or- yeah, maybe it was like... It was maybe a little bit later, but anyway, when we first see him going to be Saul for the first time, like officially Saul, it's like you think about it being a heroic moment, but it's actually like a very sad moment. Like, this is what you're left with. Like, this comic guy that you are now is like all that you're left with. Yeah. I feel like I'm being too sad on this podcast. <laughs> no, I, I don't want to bring it down too much, but it was like really, it's just sad. The last. I'll just say what I was going to say because I didn't want to like step on stuff we'll get to later because one of the awards you, that you mentioned was like saddest moment. Yeah. And when I first read that, I was like, I don't really think of this as a sad show. And then like, I looked back at it like a day later and I was like, no, this whole show is like really, really sad. Like, yeah. It's the whole pretty, thing is a, it's a tragedy. It's like, pretty sad. By the, the whole thing. Of it. I didn't. I think of it as like a fun show because I get so I'm so entertained by it. But mm-hmm. the story that it's like, what am I thinking? Like everything's sad in this show. Yeah, like it's, so dramatic. It's and, about loss. I mean, it really is. Yeah, and, and Breaking Bad was like that too. But Breaking Bad felt more triumphant, I think, than just sad. I mean, there is like when he's talking to his wife at the end when Walt's talking to his wife and. He knows he's probably about to die. Like, it is a sad moment, but it's also like, well, but you deserve everything that you get, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, you don't deserve a good ending. You like don't you, care about him. At, are you, you're yeah, interested you in him, but you're not as emotionally attached to him. To where, with Jimmy, he feels like he's... It feels like he had a better path ahead of him that he could have taken, and he just didn't take it, you know? Yeah. Oh, one thing I was going to ask about the finale, but about the last few episodes, with what where is your opinion about the whole black and white thing of it all like i liked it because usually when you see black and white it's in flashbacks and in this story it's the forward story you know Mm -hmm. but when you think about your life like the things that are in the past are more colorful they're more you remember them like all these great moments that i had you know and the day-to-day life is more mundane so as he gets closer to being Gene Takovic, he's just a guy working at a Cinnabon. You know, he's a guy that he gets excited by plugging in his old Saul commercials. You know, mm-hmm. he's like, I'm going to drink a scotch and watch when I used to be something, when I used to be Saul. So it makes sense that the Ford stuff is in black and white and it's very mundane. It's not very exciting. It's not very cool. Like there's not him, you know, doing this exciting stuff that Walt did at the end of Breaking Bad. It's like, no, this is your life now because you've made it this way. And I also liked the, the way they did the title credits where it became less technologically advanced. Mm-hmm. They not only went from color to black and white, but like the image started glitching. And then by the end, it's just a VCR. Just kept degrading. Stop like, or whatever. Yeah, it's like just a blue screen. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. It's, it kind of reminded me like, have you listened to Radiohead's OK Computer? Where it okay. gets like more electronic as it goes on. It's like the machines yeah. are kind of taking over. Yeah. Like it has this kind of progressive quality of like just being more and more mundane and the technology ending and everything as you wind down his life, you know. I thought that was an interesting way to go. You think of a finale as like like a big 
fireworks kind of thing like all the big exciting things they've been holding back Mm -hmm. but but for this story like that part of the story is like it's about this guy who's lost everything who's like well given up all the good stuff for like this kind of life of crime so it's he kind of it's it is empty and a part of you is like is this boring or something but then you're like it's very appropriate for this story that they're telling like Right, it's like a uh, Fellini film or something. <laughs> They're not romanticizing this. Like you might like you you're saying like it yeah. at the end of Breaking Bad. I know a lot of people would be like, think Walt is like so cool and like smart and he's a badass and all this stuff. Yeah. And with this show, they really you never you they do you, you do think he's notion. like yeah. really smart and like wow he got away with it, but at the same time you're kind of like it's more kind of sad about the guy he he gave up to, to be Saul. Yeah, and it's just like, what it, you know, I talked about this a little bit when we talked about the, uh, when we did the uh, previous podcast, when we talked about the prequel stuff with, with Saul, is like the kind of effect of his life on people, you know, which by the way gets brought up in this, this season is like, without him, Walt wouldn't have been what he was, you know, he wouldn't have, like there's all this like damage that he's done incidentally because of the things he's done. So, it makes some sense that as his life gets closer to the end, it's like now you start to see, okay, this is the consequence of all these things that you've done. I kept asking myself, like, just the, the impact of what he's experiencing at the end is, I guess, not having Breaking Bad all in the middle of it. You see him become Saul, and then you see a couple of little glimmers of that life. And mm-hmm. then it becomes, it's kind of this whole big thing that he's kind of escaping from. Mm-hmm. I wondered if for people who hadn't, seen Breaking Bad I know that there's not that many people like that probably not many if it it hit them as emotionally as as yeah when they go back to the Breaking Bad stuff yeah yeah but I also think too like when they're talking about like when he's you know going back to meeting Jesse and Walt and stuff we'll get into that later but like they're talking about these great moments in his life in a way where it's like it's sad but it's also exciting when you think about these things that you were a part of you know like it's it's sad because you you made choices that got you to this point but the show also does a good job of highlighting like okay this guy was something you know he was a great lawyer he did have these great moments he did make a lot of money he had these great commercials he was funny and it's like you can't you can't get from like that to the sadness without bringing back some of that stuff you know like it was cool to see him as as Saul you know mm-hmm. in a couple of those scenes so yeah it's like train spotting a little bit where it's like you can't do the the negative stuff at the end without first showing the excitement of it at the beginning, you know. What were your, like, standout, like, favorite moments of the finale? Um, I like that they brought Marie back. I know we're going to get into that when we talk about our favorite cameos, but I like that they brought her back because if you're saying, well, he, he should get away with it, he should ride off into the sunset with Cam or whatever you're, you know, imagined, you know, finale might be, it's like, well, but someone is accountable for these people dying. And obviously it can't be Walt because he's gone. You know, it can't be Jesse because he's gone. So, like, who's going to answer for all these terrible things that happen? And there's people in Albuquerque whose lives were affected by the things that you did. And so you don't think about, like, that was a shocker for me when I saw Maria. I was like, oh, Maria, yeah, she's still in this world, you know. Or, yeah. or Howard's wife when uh, Kim talks to her. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, you guys did stuff that hurt people. Like, and you need to be held accountable for that. So I like that they did, like, sort of bring him back into that world and be like, okay, you're back in Albuquerque, and here's here's some of the things that you're responsible for as this shady lawyer. Yeah. I really liked the way they tied Kim into it 
mm-hmm. we were talking about this, but it might have been before we were, we were recording. But I, we re- listened, re-listened to the episode like when we before the season when we were like making predictions, right? And we, which we nailed, by the way, we got a lot of the stuff like of really close. <laughs> we got most of that shit right, sir. One of the big ones was like, is Kim gonna? survive what is, are they married during breaking bad or what happened to her and i think knowing that she was still alive was like a huge relief and then you're i remember i, I think we might have mentioned like do you think they'll like reunite like in the gene timeline and all this kind of stuff yeah i said that thinking it might happen and i was like of course it was gonna happen like i feel stupid now not thinking it was gonna happen. <laughs> that was the way a lot of the stuff unfolded yeah. is they do the thing they say like with good endings that they're like inevitable but yeah. surprising kind of but keep in mind too when we recorded that they had not yet broken up yet we hadn't gotten any of the stuff in season six so we didn't know exactly how far into the gene Takovic storyline they were going to go yeah i was predicting it would probably be more of a part of this last season when, when we recorded that but even i was surprised by how much of the gene Takovic stuff they did i've heard like them talk about when they were deciding like his fate because walt had died jesse had escaped and gone into hiding and then gene had like they thought because he was a lawyer and in the kind of criminal justice zone like they thought going to prison was probably a good appropriate ending for that character right which i can i think that makes sense and it, and it's also like a different ending so it's not they don't all end by like just escaping and or getting or dying or whatever well let's be clear also that like if he had gotten the seven years his life is still pretty screwed like <laughs> He's obviously not only is he not going to ever practice law again, but his <laughs> reputation has been ruined. He's you know fifty, sixty year old man at that point. I mean, who's going to hire him for anything? Kim is out of his life. Like you know, it's not like his other ending. If he didn't get the life sentence, was going to be that great. You know, they make it sound like he that's his sentence, but that, that it will more than likely be trimmed down some. I mean, maybe he'll yeah. still never get out, but yeah, uh, maybe for good <clears> behavior. <throat> yeah. Yeah, that's kind of a that's joke. A, a funny line. Right? It's like, well, eighty-six years, but who knows with the good behavior? <laughs> Maybe they trim it down to eighty. You know, that scene when she comes in, like right at the end. That's when it really hit me. I think I, I was not such a great scene with them smoking the cigarettes together. You know. Yeah, you think that it's going to end with them kind of at odds. I think of it as like he's being judged by like all these, you know, the world and the the all the, the lawyers and the, the judges mm-hmm. and the juries and everybody. But the, the he only cares about her judgment. Like, what what does she think? I, I feel like yeah. that's kind of why he kind of went further in the confession. and, and That's why he did it, yeah. Because he wanted her approval. So and it was kind of like a thing where you, you knew that in the world that he failed everything, but he had gotten her respect again. I think it's, it, I think he felt like as long as she still cared about him, that that's the best he could hope for. Like that's the best he could do, because yeah, he's he's not a great guy, and everyone's going to judge him for all this stuff. But if she still respected him in any way, you know, that's okay with him. Like that's the one thing that he really needed to go on living. So I thought that was really touching at the end when they're together. Yeah, and they're kind of like smoking the cigarette, and it's kind of, you know a callback to the first episode, very first scene, you know, when they see him together in the parking garage. Yeah, like, that part. That hit me like I, I was like I started kind of tearing up and I'm I'm just like, oh man, I wasn't expecting to feel this way watching this. And then she does like the finger guns and she even gives like a little finger gun back, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I really like the shot of uh, it's like real brief, like whenever she's leaving at that moment 
it's probably right after the finger guns moment where it just shows them like it's like a huge wide shot and they're like both on other sides of this fence and you're just like man that's so sad (laughs) yeah yeah it was a really sad episode it's kind of like they're apart but emotionally they're together and you want them to it's it's almost like the best it could have been at the same time it's sad and you don't know I think I mean, it was it was kind of the only ending they could really do in a lot of ways. Like, I mean, he's not going to go out in a blaze of glory like Walt. He's not going to. I mean, he could escape, I guess, theoretically, be on the run. But what's that going to be? You know. Yeah. Um, and it's not like they were going to live together happily ever after because he's got to answer for these crimes. So, I feel like yeah, it was the best it was going to be. It was an appropriate ending. I'll say that. I liked it. It was more quiet than I was expecting. I think for some reason I don't know why I thought it. Uh, but I thought it was very, it was like a deep, like kind of a thing where you it ends and you're just like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was. Yeah. It was awesome. It was true uh, to the show. I give it, it, was, I give it two thumbs up, sir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's back up and talk about the whole season. I feel like I have more to say about this part of it, all 13 episodes. It does seem like uh, the first one was like so long ago. <laughs> it does. Wine it feels like a different lifetime. One thing that I think going into the season, and one thing that I was thinking about a lot as it was going on is was the uh, the structure of it and like how they kind of decided. Because going into it, like we had all our predictions about what's going to happen to Nacho or what's going to happen to Kim or who's going to live, who's going to die, and all all this kind of stuff. Right. And it was really wide open. It was like, how's it going to intersect with? Breaking Bad. It felt like there was a lot to do, and then it was it was interesting to me. Like I, I think about the structure of the the whole thing, and like, okay, so the first three episodes kind of wrapped up Nacho's journey, and then it kind of there was a couple episodes that were almost like to me they felt like old fashioned Better Call Saul. Like kind mm-hmm. of everything kind of felt lighter and almost like to the point where you're like, is anything going to happen here? Yeah, there was like that one episode where the Kettleman's return or something. Yeah. It was like, yeah, there was some kind of light stuff you wrote. And they're like planning the uh, Howard thing. And then the seventh episode, like that all comes together. And uh, that's the whole... It's like, damn. (laughs) That came out of nowhere. (laughs) Yeah, that was... Yeah. So Nacho's gone. And then not too long after that, like Howard's gone. And then I think the next episode was... Can I can I give a slight criticism of the show since we're on that? This yeah, part? yeah, yeah. I do feel like there was a little bit of throat clearing in those first few episodes, like because normally their seasons are ten episodes, mm-hmm. and this one because they divided it in two, it ended up being thirteen episodes. And I thought there was a few episodes there in the first part of season six that were like maybe a little superfluous, like they probably could have tightened. I up thought a like bit. Uh, I think it was like four and five or somewhere in, in there where it was kind of like it was after Nacho died and they were still planning the. Yeah, the thing with the it dragged a little. You're kind of like me, yeah. it was also a thing where you're like, you know, there's so much that's there's supposed so much to happen. To do. Yeah, like, let's get and to you're it, like, yeah. why is why does it feel like it's just like this? I keep wondering how it's going to be rewatching it. Like if it's going to hit differently, knowing like kind of how it went. Like, will I appreciate those episodes more just because it was like yeah more calm and they were together and whatever but it really does feel like the first half of season six is more like the end of season five like it's a whole different season yeah like i think the second half of season six and the last episode of the first half is like kind of its own season in a way 
I mean, I like yeah. it. Don't get me wrong, but like, I thought it could have like picked up the pace maybe a little bit in those early episodes. What's funny is like a part of me felt like there was a whole other season worth of stuff to do because there mm. was so much that happened. But then you're like, maybe there was like a ten episode version of this or a like two season like twenty episode version of this the whole thing. But I mean, if you want to be like super critical, they probably could have like killed off Nacho in season five or something. You know, they probably could have like taken some of these characters off the board sooner. Mm-hmm. That would have been like one more, like con- like more consecutive like show for the last season, dealing more with the the Kimmy and Jim stuff. But I do think like there were a lot of great moments in the first half, of season six. It's just like it felt like we we needed to get to the, the Jimmy Kim stuff more. You know, that was my takeaway. But. I'm trying to remember what our predictions were going into it. I, li- I really re-listened to that episode the other day. Well, I know we got most of them right because we both thought Kim was going to live. I was more convinced she would move, but you said she might be in Albuquerque, but she didn't yeah. move. But, you yeah, know, that's no big deal. Uh, I think I said that Nacho was going to die. We both kind of debated whether or not Lalo would die, but I think we both kind of like probably would, but he might disappear. So that was it. Made more sense that he every time someone would die, you're like, okay, that it makes sense that there would be. Yeah, it made sense. I mean, it's just my only thing about it was that because uh, he mentions him in Better Call Saul. I mean, uh, in the episode Better Call Saul, when he when they he first gets kidnapped in Breaking Bad, I was like, well, he must have died in a way that Jimmy is not aware of it or something. That was my only reason for thinking he might have lived. But but it made sense. Do you think it landed the way? Like, did did that scene? still makes sense by the time everything happened in season six yeah i think it did i think because i thought they did pretty good with that yeah so they kind of make it where he thinks he's dead and then he comes back and then he so he almost thinks he's he's, like seeing a ghost so he's thinking of him as like a phantom almost like this guy's never gonna end up you know he's and he he does ruin his life in a lot of ways and it could have been a thing where he did die but he paid somebody to like hunt him down like kind of before he died like at that point, person. he's been rumored dead a few times, and it's like, yeah, who knows when this guy's gonna pop up again, <laughs> like a Freddy Krueger or something. So it did make it did make more sense on rewatching it. But that was the only reason I thought he might live is just because he wasn't known dead in the Breaking Bad show. But on the other podcast, I was really it was kind of funny listening to us talk about it because we're kind of talking ourselves towards what ended up happening. But if I'd thought about it a little more, I would have. I think I would have realized that he probably was gonna die because that does make the most sense because. Mm-hmm. He died, so his father would would be safe. Because I kept saying, like, I think maybe he's gonna use the vacuum repair. We kept, th- I kept thinking people were gonna use that guy. And they uh, did. They did finally reveal that, which is cool. That it was the veterinarian. Yeah, guy. they gave him the the black book or whatever. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I, that was one thing I think I'd mentioned. Like, or I, or I was like, they've got to explain how they find out. I was like, maybe Kim finds out. But at the end, it's like she didn't have to go into hiding because she. <laughs> yeah, she just know. like I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she just left. I'm done with it. I'm done with your ass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My wife's not in hiding. My ex-wife, she's she's around. <laughs> ah, we're good. I'm out. Yeah, it made more sense that they would just break up. So I kind of like that. What did you think about Howard's death? Like that was the most shocking moment. I mean, maybe some stuff towards the finale, but like that was probably the most shocking moment for sure up until that point of the show. And I didn't see it coming. And when we when we talked about some characters that might die, we didn't even mention Howard. Um, yeah. You talked about Howard a little bit more than I did, but I don't think either one of us thought he was going to die. It was kind of like, like a, how is he going to play a role out? in any of this stuff? He, he kind of kept feeling like he was going more and more outside of the story. Yeah, and it kind of was like, 
when they were doing the the scheme to like get him in trouble or whatever with the saying he's a, a cokehead or whatever, mm-hmm. it was like, well, why are they so focused on this? Like, I mean, yeah, Howard's kind of a, a jerk in some ways, but like he's not that bad of a guy. Like, why are y'all focused on destroying this man? But it, but at that point, I think it had become more about the the thrill, the addiction of like we got to pull this scheme than it was really about Howard. And then to see that backfire on him so spectacularly, it's like. Yeah, that was a, that was a shocking moment, but it was a great moment on the show. And it kind of, I mean, because that was the end of the, like the first half of the season. Or yeah, that was when I was all the way back in. I was like, okay, I'm back. This show's back. It's good again. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it went off went off course a little bit there, but it's, it's it's good now. I remember when it happened. You're like, oh my gosh, like what? Why? What? It feels out of nowhere. And then the more you think about it, you're like, I could. Yeah, it makes sense that. And the and way it, they shot a, it with the candle, like blowing out yeah. and Lalo just there behind him and it's like oh my god it's like a horror movie scene like, it was it was shocking it really was and it really did like affect the rest of the season like the way everything unfolded was yeah kind of happened because of of that that suddenly like wakes up Kim and she realizes like whatever they're doing is like really bad yeah and then, I mean to be fair too like they didn't cause Howard's death like Lalo mm-hmm. killed him like, it's not their fault that he's there, per se. I mean, even though their actions kind of led him to that. But mm. they're definitely, because of what they did, they put him in a position where this would happen. So, yeah, the fact that you had anything to do with someone dying, that's going to shake you if nothing else does. So I thought it was a good way of setting up their kind of downfall where they're not really responsible, but they're kind of indirectly responsible for someone dying. And then once she leaves, that's really what cements him into becoming Saul Goodman, like, yeah it's funny like watching the whole series you're kind of like is it really gonna feel like they they made it make sense like psychologically and all this kind of stuff and they by the time they're done with it they really did and i think it's such a sad scene too when he says that he loves her and she says so what you know Mm -hmm. and she's not saying that like oh i don't care about the fact that you love me she's saying yeah but we help get a man killed like just because we love each other doesn't mean we can keep on doing this and she realizes that if she stays with him, she's going to keep on doing this kind of stuff. And she doesn't want to go down that path, which I respect. I think that's one of the great things about her character is, like, she, she t- chooses a different road. You know, to go back to the Bad Choice Road episode where they're talking about the things that you do lead you down a certain road. She realizes, like, no, I can't stay on this path anymore. I have to do something else, even if it means losing something I, I care about. I love this man. I love this relationship. But I can't do this anymore. So that's that's one of the great moments too in that that first half, you know. Finally, like a character in this this universe that like chooses something good. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I don't think I want to do this bad stuff. You see too. This is another thing I thought was really profound about the show. It's like in the the waterworks episode, which is a great episode. You know, she has this famous like I would say famous, but like people have watched it. It's a great moment where she breaks down on the bus, you know, mm-hmm. crying, and it'll probably be on the Emmy reel if she gets. If she I think she's gonna win it. She Emmy. is. Yeah. I think she or, yeah, I hope. Oh man, I hope she so. needs to win an Emmy for this. Uh, she's she's just incredible in the show. But like when she breaks down on the bus crying, like that's a great moment. That's a very sad moment. But even before that, when you see her life in Florida with this guy that she clearly doesn't love, she's in this very perfunctory relationship. She's in an office job where she's you know she's good at her job. It's a very boring kind of job, and you realize the kind of talented, amazing person she was when she was a lawyer and with Jimmy. And you're like, she gave up a lot to choose this good, you know, quote-unquote lifestyle. And 
it's it's the right choice because you stop hurting people, but it's also a tough choice because you, you gave up part of who you were. Your passion it. and your like yeah. calling, like it's it's very sad. Like that's the thing I love about her character. She she did these tough things that are hard to do because it would have been a lot easier for her to stay with Jimmy and, and do this other thing. And she pays a price for it by doing that. You kind of go into the season ready to say goodbye to a lot of the characters, but you're like, don't kill. Like I kept thinking, like if they like killed Kim, I might have like really been soured on the show. <laughs> yeah, no, I I would have been out. <laughs> like that really. Uh, I mean, just, maybe depending on how it happened, maybe I wouldn't be. But I'm like, I would I would have been mad. Because they one by one, like they start just killing all of them. Everyone thought she was going to die, and me and you were the only ones who were like, "No, that's not going to happen." We didn't think she was going to die. I think you realize as the series really once it gets to like the second season, mm-hmm. the heart of the show is those two, their relationship, you know. And you yeah. know that if if there's going to be any type of not happy ending, but like the best type of the best ending for him would be to have some kind of peace with her and yeah, you know absolutely if she had died earlier on he wouldn't have taken the you know extra time on his sentence and all that stuff like he would have right and i think i think i kind of said something like that when we did the previous podcast is like if she had died i think he would have had too much guilt to go on yeah. being like saul being this character you know like because it's it's an artifice but it's an artifice born of his pain from losing her you know and I think if she had died, he would have just gone in a different direction. I don't think he would have said, okay, well, I, I helped do something that, that killed her, but let's just be Saul. Let's just do this like crazy. I didn't get that impression from him. Either. Yeah, I didn't either. It made sense the way it, it all went. As it unfolded, I just kept thinking, like, even if we like kind of predicted the broad strokes of it, it was kind of like, yeah, I mean, that seems like... that. I think that was the thing, like, the, the Howard death was shocking and like that was like the big yeah. surprise i think but a lot of the other stuff broadly it felt like it went about how i thought it would but you don't know like the order it's going to go in or i kind of thought like, things are going to happen yeah i kind of thought like it kinda, it did sort of in this way anyway but i thought maybe he would do something to save her like turn himself in so that she gets free or something which it kind of happened that way i mean she was already free but like Maybe she would have been in some litigation trouble or something when he when he reveals all the things that he did. But like I did feel like he would probably find a way to save her at some point. That was kind of in in the mix in there of what happened, but it wasn't like the focus. Yeah, it wasn't the focus because I, I was what what made me think they one reason they might not have done that is because that's kind of what Breaking Bad. There a lot of what he was doing at the end was well, it was selfish, but it was kind of making peace with Skylar and trying to kind of save her side of it in a way like with the well and there's another parallel too is that Kim and and Jesse are kind of similar characters in a lot of ways where they're both responsible for doing some bad things don't get me wrong but they're also influenced by this person that's like a mastermind criminal and so you feel some sympathy for him and I think in the finale of Breaking Bad, Walt doesn't show up to save Jesse. He doesn't know what's happened to Jesse. But when he hmm. sees what he's become, he does want to save him. And he's always like, as many terrible things as Walt did, he did stick his neck out for Jesse many times in the show. And I think for for Jimmy, Kim is like his Jesse. Like, no matter what ever ter- terrible things he's going to do, he's going to stick his neck out for her, if no one else. 
Mm-hmm. So I thought there was a nice parallel between the two of them. You know? What were your opinions about Nacho and his situation? Yeah, I love Michael Mondo, man. Rest in peace. No. <laughs> the guy's still alive. Yeah. The character, though, Nacho, is rest in peace. I thought his inning was really good. Um, he was going to come off the board, like you said, at some point. You know, like you have all these characters. They're not all going to stay through this timeline. But the way he went out, you know, talking shit to Hector was <laughs> was awesome. And, you know, kind of even putting a little fear into Gus a little bit, you know, at the end there. I mean, if you want to talk about a great death, like, he went out spectacularly. So if he was going to die, and he saved his dad in the process. So the way he died was, like, perfect for his character. Still tragic because oh, yeah. you want him to get away. He's, he's one of the ones you, you want. He's really of the bad guys in the show. I mean, Howard's not a bad guy, but, like, of the actual criminals in the show, he's the most relatable and, like, he's not really a bad guy. I mean, yeah. It's I mean, a heartbreaker yeah, he's when, he's, when he's taken out, when he has to take himself out. I thought it was interesting just how well they, how they did it like in the third episode. You're kind of thinking it, it happened later. But at the same time, his story is kind of off in its own, own corner where it, it does affect like Lalo and, and Gus's situation, but it's so... Uh, I think it was time to wrap it up. I, I kind of thought he would be taken out early in the season. You did? Yeah, yeah just because I thought there's not a lot of room for, left for him to maneuver after what happened in the last episode of season five where he was at the compound. And, like, Lalo's going to know that he, you know, ratted him out or helped let those guys in. Yeah. The cartel's going to know, like, and Gus can't use him anymore for anything because he's connected to the cartel. So there's no really escape for him. Unless, you know, your plan, like, for him to disguise himself and go to South America or whatever. <laughs> Unless that happened. But, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you were talking about, like, a spy versus spy <laughs> scenario where he goes to, like, Lalo's chasing him over the, the world or whatever. But, like, <laughs> unless that happened, like, he wasn't going to really get out of this, this world. <laughs> That's one of the things I'm going to miss about the show when the last episode was airing. I was excited to find out what happened and everything. But at the same time, you're like, man, I'm going to miss just watching this thing. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, it's a good just, show. But uh, the way they write everything is, it really does kind of uh, inspire your imagination, and like you, you kind of get to where you're imagining all these different scenarios. Of that's why it was kind of fun early on in that other episode, when podcast episode, when we were talking about our predictions. Like mm-hmm. we kind of all had like, you know, people who watch the shows, you're you're always imagining these different ways that it could go, and then by the time it's over, it's just like, oh, it's just it's just yeah. over. Yeah, there's no, no more, more of this. No more thoughts. <laughs> we found on. out the answers. Since we were on Nacho, let me talk about one other thing in that season. Was like when Mike talks to his dad after he died. I thought that was mm-hmm. a really good scene, where Mike does feel bad because you know he knows what happened to him and he's part of this world, and he goes to his dad to kind of apologize for it, and his dad is not having it. He's like, yeah, you people are all the same. Like I thought that was a great great moment you know? and it was really kind of i mean he had the, his cameos but it was kind of his last moment as like a active was, character yeah. in the story mm-hmm. and then gus had his mm-hmm. moment well i was kind of wondering how they were going to wrap up their stories because you knew at a certain point like they're just going to stop being on the show assuming that they were going to have to just skip ahead at a certain yeah point. and you also know that like mike and gus are in breaking bad so they're not going to die so there's only so much you can do with these characters in this universe. So, yeah, I knew they were going to wrap up that story at some point. But I thought that was a great moment for Mike, you know, trying to do the right thing, but also his dad putting him in his place and be like, no, you're not 
yeah, getting off like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you all you guys are in this world that kills more people. Mike likes to think of himself as, like, a good criminal, you know? Yeah. Like, he's, like, one of the good ones, but they're all the same kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, you, you're smarter than a lot of these guys, but still, you're also killing people. Like, you're, you're part of this world, you know? Okay, so, like, let's talk about Lalo for a minute. Like, Tony Dalton. Yeah. Shut up. How do you think, how did you like his storyline and... I loved it. Um, might have a slight quibble with the very end of it, but <laughs> which we'll get into later on. But yeah, yeah, I thought he he had a spectacular arc throughout the show, and he came in. Did he come in at the end of season three or four? I think it was like the eighth episode of season four or somewhere. Like okay, right, yeah. right at the end. I of can't even remember four. now when he came into the show, but when he did, it like really picked the show up a lot. He was such a great villain to like put these guys on edge and to see. Mike and Gus on their toes a little bit was nice. Like these guys are masterminds, but this guy is also a mastermind. He's a great criminal, and to see him kind of like, you know, stalking his prey, so to speak, yeah. like this planning this elaborate revenge on Gus, it was a pretty cool. You know, it's pretty cool to see that arc. Who's in Germany for crying out loud? Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> killing guys in the woods in Germany <laughs> to get information about Gus. It was. <laughs> Yeah, it was, like, fun to see him, like, plan this elaborate stuff. And, you know, it's like they did the most they could do with it because, obviously, you know he didn't kill Gus because Gus isn't Breaking Bad. But it's like how close did he get to, like, pulling off this this master plan? Yeah, I kept wondering, like, what they were going to do with him because he was kind of... I think the thing that made me think he was going to die was because of how... I was like, if he was still alive during Breaking Bad, like, Gus would have been more paranoid and knowing that he's out there. So it was like that was why it to me it made it did make sense that he was probably gonna have to die and i, I liked that they made it gus that did it even yeah yeah you're probably i have quibbles with just just one part of it in particular but yeah, yeah <laughs> we'll get yeah. to that later but yeah. but yeah no i thought it made sense that gus would take him out and uh gus's stupid house it has like another house <laughs> attached <laughs> was that like one of the funniest things when you saw him like He's got this house, and they're, like, watching all this stuff, and then he's, like, there's a tunnel, and it goes to another house. And you're, like, what the hell is he? It's, like, man, this guy really is paranoid. Like, I remember, like, there's that scene in Breaking Bad when Walt when goes Walt to the house. Walt goes to kill him, yeah. And, he's and he calls like, him. You're, like, how did he know? And then you're, like, oh, okay, now I understand. So many mysteries about Gus, you know? Like, so many, I mean, I think mm. we all realize he's homosexual now, so that's, you know, that's out there. But, you know, we kind of suspected that all along. But I do like the way they ended his character with the guy in the bar mm-hmm. talking to him. I thought that was a really good ending to his arc in the show. It was really um, sad because it's showing that there's that side of him and he wants to have some like special person in his life. But then he kind of at the yeah. end realizes that that's, he can't have that for, for who he is. Like He can't let this guy He can't get close get to close. anybody because of how many people want to kill him or might want to kill him. Yeah. And, yeah, he has this moment of connection with this guy who's, like, a, a bartender. And, you know, maybe they could have drinks together, have a nice night or whatever. And he's like, he realizes, no, that's not going to it's not gonna work. So, yeah, it is kind of a sad ending to his character arc. But also he's part of this world. So, yeah, that's what you're dealing with, you know. Yeah. I thought he did a good job. They did a good job wrapping up his, his character in that scene. I wish they had maybe explored a little bit more about his backstory in the show. But it's also, it's not a show about Gus, so I, I kind of get why they didn't. I know a lot of people want there to be like a Gus 
show, which would be interesting. Yeah, I mean, it would be, but it's also like, how many times do you want to go back to the well? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm fine. I know we'll, we'll probably talk about this stuff later too, but I'm satisfied with it being what it is. Mm-hmm. If if they have an idea and that's something that they're, they're excited about and they want to do it, then I'll trust them to, to do whatever. But it's not something they're going to, they're not, they don't need to be like The Walking Dead with like, Oh, you know, please five no. Different please versions. no. Please don't be the Walking Dead. In any way, don't be the Walking Dead. <laughs> a show that was like had so much potential in the first season, and I was so excited about. And then within a few seasons, I was like, Ah, I'm good. I don't think I ever want to watch that again. <laughs> I quit watching it, and then uh, I know this is a tangent, but I quit watching it, and then like I think like last year, I was yeah, like, it was on that. Netflix, and I was just like, Yeah, man. I don't care about like my standards and my expectations were so low at that point. I was like, I'm just going to watch this as just a dumb sure, show. Sure. And I, I did enjoy it in that in that way. But it was well, yeah, it's I mean, one it's of those a, shows it's where an entertaining show. If you're know. really invested in it, it can yeah. be kind of like. Ugh. Yeah, it's, yeah. We don't want to get into too anyway. far into it, but yeah, I think I stopped in like season four, <laughs> and my mom and my sister were trying to get me to watch it. I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> There's better stuff out there, but but yeah, I, I liked. Um, I like Gus's end. Was there any other moments in the season six you wanted to talk about before we move on to some other stuff? I think so much of it was like it took so long to to make, mm-hmm. and then like the pandemic, and then Bob Odenkirk having a heart attack, right. <laughs> and then him being okay and able to finish it. It felt like a miracle that it was actually finished, and it had been so long that your mind had like gone in all these different directions of what could happen. Whenever it was finally over, it was just like, man, like I think. I mean, kind of, kind of what I was saying earlier, like it just was like it, the whole thing's just done. Like it felt yeah. there, it was almost kind of, I think the experience of watching it, knowing that it was, it had ended was kind of almost as sad as the actual show. To right. Me. Yeah. <laughs> it felt, yeah. You're just like, when, when is there going to be another show like this? And there might know. not be. Sadly, yeah. Sadly. There's very few, <laughs> very few people that create shows that are that well written, that well acted, you know, that well produced. Like it was top to bottom. It was perfect. Um, one it's th- funny to have a show end and you're just like you're thankful and you're just like I feel like this is like hyperbolic but I'm mm-hmm. like I'm so thankful that I was alive when these shows were on yeah I feel that way about Breaking Bad too is like it, I didn't catch it at the very beginning like I didn't watch the first two seasons live but I watched season three on live so yeah. I got to experience it week to week and I, I think this is the kind of show you want to watch week to week yeah some shows I'm like no just, I'd rather just binge it but this is one you want to be part of that experience like yeah. week in week out so now we're going to, Jack had this cool idea to do awards. We're doing the whole series as a whole. And we have a, how many awards? Like eight awards, I think. I finished with eight, but I don't know if you added any, but I had eight. I didn't add any more. Okay. And this is going to be a little more fun segment. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, this <laughs> we is. We were like getting a little, little deep on the show, but I want to do some like fun, like kind of funny moments, fun moments, things that to kind of enjoy about the show in its entirety like kind yeah. of celebrate it at the end yeah because i don't want to go back through every episode or every season but like just some kind of our favorite kind of things in it but yeah why don't you i think you have all of the i have some of the nominations but yeah I'm gonna why don't you the, read the, these i'm gonna give you these awards and if you want to add something to the mix just tell me are we each voting on our own yeah i'm gonna tell you mine and you tell me yours okay like, and we can, yeah. We'll It'll de- make we'll more it. sense as we get going. So this is my first award. This is uh, the most pompous lawyer in Better Call Saul. <laughs> <laughs> so 
I say pompous by, you know, pretentious, uh, obnoxious, you know, the, the one that you just kind of go, ugh, you know. So I have Howard Hamlin, of course. I have uh, Rich Swikart of Swikart and Coakley, uh, very important figure in Kim's life. <laughs> and, of course, uh, Chuck McGill, the great Chuck McGill. Do you have any other pompous lawyers you want to add to this? I had another pompous character, but who's not a lawyer. Okay, who's that? Kevin Wachtel. Oh, yes, yes, the, the Mesa Verde guy. Yeah. You're right, he is pretty pompous. Do you know that guy's, I think he's married to like Reba McIntyre. Is he? I, really? I think, I, I, I meant that. to Google that again before I came today. But I didn't I, know who he was. Yeah. I, I only know him from the show. I was trying to figure out, I was like, is, what else has this guy been in? Because he's so, I think they're really good at, at casting people who you're like, you yeah. just believe them as that person. You know, is he supposed to be and, from Texas or is he like from the Southwest? Uh, I don't know. I can't remember. Because he feels like a Texan. Like yeah, he, he does. He, yeah, he feels like a guy from Houston or something. But <laughs> they're good at like, uh, like the characters who are kind of, you know, quote unquote, like normal, like good yeah. people, like upstanding people. They're good at making them like kind of unlikable because they're usually against like Kim and Jimmy, and they're they're you know trying to do some kind of crooked thing. But, mm. but they want you to root, be rooting for Kim and Jimmy, so like they're all pompous. <laughs> I don't know. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, no, I do. He's a, he's a, he's an interesting character, but I didn't know that about Reba McIntyre. So I, I'm gonna make my case. I think I'm gonna go with Rich. Rich. Like oh, really? I'm gonna go with an upset here. Now, Chuck McGill is a is a heavy favorite in this category. Easily one of the most pompous people we've ever seen on television. <laughs> Yeah. But but I feel like it's too obvious. So I'm going to say Rich talking about going to uh, Aspen or whatever, his ski trip, with his, with his other lawyers to show how, how rich he is, ordering Moscow mules at 2 in the afternoon. I feel like Rich is, like, super pretentious <laughs> when he tries to bully Jimmy when he's making his case early on. Like, the only reason I'm returning your phone call is because your brother's with Chuck McGill. It's like, you know, like, he's he's really full of himself, so... I'm gonna give a shout out to Rich. Rich. They have so many characters that are they're right on that line of like, he's not bad, but I don't like him. I don't know why. Like you're right. Yeah. I mean, no, he's not a bad guy, but like, yeah, he's definitely. You could give a shout out to Clifford Maine as well, but I I like Clifford actually. Yeah, I kind of liked. Yeah, he seemed more human (laughs) than the others in a way. Yeah. When he got annoyed with Jimmy. <laughs> it made sense. Rightfully so. You're yes. like, yeah, I get. No, I, I would be annoyed by him too. <laughs> There's no one on planet Earth that would not have been annoyed by by him at that point. But, but yeah, that's my that's my list. Uh, what who would be your, um, your winner? I picked from those Chuck. Yeah, probably just because we saw him more. I think Chuck was was incredibly pompous, um. <laughs> <laughs> and he had all these like little. You know, like, Remember the dinner with uh, his wife and Jimmy when he first when she first meets Jimmy and he's like doing the ear pull thing, yeah. which by the way is a shout out to the Carol Burnett yeah. show. She's on the last season, which is yeah. cool. But like he's so expecting his brother to be a disaster that he can't stand the fact that he might get a moment's attention from his wife. <laughs> and he's telling this like funny story and this funny joke, and he's just so annoyed by it. He's doing the he's pulling his ear constantly, like let's please wrap up this conversation. <laughs> It's like it's just it's such a great representation of how like annoyed he gets by his brother for like almost no reason at all, like, <laughs> and many other pompous moments. Like most of his his career is pretty. He needs the specific like red apple or uh, I can't oh yeah, and his which newspapers apple. and 
Yeah, he steals a newspaper off someone's Yeah, porch. they kind of <laughs> called back to that in the finale. They did, right, yeah. And with the ice and everything, or getting the ice and stuff. Yeah, I mean, Chuck is probably the winner here, but I wanted to I wanted to mix it up a little bit. But okay, P- most pompous lawyer, okay. So this is my second award. This is for the worst criminal mistake. Now, this is not like, you know, breaking the law and going to jail for 87 years or whatever. This is not like serious <laughs> crimes, like killing someone. Obviously, that's the worst thing you can do, but like... Just like stupid mistakes that criminals made in the show, so this is this is my my list. My my big one is uh, Lalo cut monologuing. This is the one I was alluding to earlier. When he's got Gus in his sights and he's going oh, okay. to potentially kill Gus, and we know from watching the show that Gus has hidden a firearm like by the forklift yeah. or whatever, and all he has to do is just kill him. But he's like not only talking to him, but trying to videotape him at the same time so he can bring this information to the cartel. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> why don't you just shoot him and just tell the cartel what happened? Or just get rid of him, honestly. Like, <laughs> But no, I'm going to go with this elaborate speech while videotaping you and then allow you to escape my sight line. And then you turn off the lights and like shoot me with a gun. Like, Hasn't he watched The Incredibles? You never get caught monologuing. Like, that's like, it's like rule number one, you know? So that's that's Lalo. My skateboarders, I had to put them in the mix in season one. Mm-hmm. The two uh, redheaded skateboard guys that Jimmy uh, talks into pulling the scam. Uh, little do they know that the lady that they're trying to scam is the uh, is it the grandmother of, of Tuco? Abuelita. Or, or Abuelita. That's, that's is that grandma? My Spanish is Abuela. I, I don't know. It's Abuelita. I thought you yeah. would know. Yeah, I, I meant to look it up before I did this, but anyway, it's either aunt or grandma. I think it's grandma. But anyway, like that she's related to Tuco and <laughs> they call her Biznatch, which I think is fine. <laughs> it's like, listen, Biznatch. And he's like, what did you call her? And then he ends up um, breaking their legs after Jimmy talks him down from murder. Not a good move, guys. Like you, you picked the wrong old lady to mess with. <laughs> and then my final one is, uh, is Huel hitting the cop in season four, which becomes a whole arc in the Cachata episode. But... He's got his headphones on. He's walking down the street. He sees this guy harassing Jimmy. He decides to haul off and hit him in the back of the head. And it's, a, it's an undercover police officer. <laughs> that was the one that stuck out the most to me. But I don't know. The Lalo monologuing, is, that ended pretty it's a badly. a bad look for Lalo. He's a pretty smart guy, but, you know, he kind of tripped up on that one. And is he, he died as a result. So. Is he the one that... <laughs> he's probably the winner of that. Yeah. If same. he died... Yeah. Well, he died, yeah. And yeah. The Huel one is is the one I thought of. I was kind of blank on this one cuz I mm. I wasn't sure. There's been a lot of moments like that, but I didn't none of them came to mind for some reason for me. Yeah, there's a lot of like I mean, I could have done an honorable mention too with the guy that helps steal the was it Hovel figure, the little oh, figurine yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um in out of the office. Hummel, Hummel yeah, like yeah. the little figurine that he gets gets him to steal it. And Ira and the guy that works there is like in the middle of a divorce or something, so he's sleeping on the couch. <laughs> so he thinks he's like going to get off Scott clean, and the guy is in the office with him, so he has to hide under the desk. And the guy orders a pizza, and he like is sitting up watching, <laughs> and he just can't get him out of the out of the office. That was funny. Yeah, Jimmy has to like show up and like crash his car or something just to get the guy to go outside for a second, so he can sneak out of there. That was, that was a pretty bad mistake, but. Yeah, I'm going to go with Lalo on that one. Okay. Okay, next award. 
Um, I like this. One. Do you want to do some of these? You want to talk about some? Of these? I think you have all the nominees. I, I wrote down a few of them, but I don't. I think you had more complete lists. Okay, this is the um, the musical montage award. This is for our best musical moment. So I wrote down three. Do you have any that you want to mention or highlight? I had the uh, the something stupid montage. Yeah, that's the the one where Kim and Jimmy are getting ready. It's like at the beginning. Yeah, of it's one of it's episode four. Kim it's in season four. I can't remember if it's episode. I can't remember what episode it's it is. It's like seven or something. Yeah, it's in season four, but Something Stupid is the name of the episode and the song. And then the other one was the dressing up. I called it dressing up. Is the one when he's in uh, Cliff Main's. Right. He's working yeah. for them. Yeah, um, this song is called Scorpio. I had to look it up. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I actually had the name of the guy, but I forgot it. But anyway, yeah, when he's doing the... Uh, it's called Inflatable is the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he's trying to get fired from Davis and May. He's wearing all the suits, and it's got, like, the blow-up dude guy thing. Like, <laughs> it's a really cool, like, like, visual. The way they did it was... This is really actually cool. one of the funniest sequences in the whole show. Yeah. Like, when he's trying to get fired, and he starts with the, the juicer... And it's like, the guys are like, it's super loud, man. We can't hear it. <laughs> and then he like jams the thing in there and it, it, it spills beet juice all over him or whatever. And he's like, Jimmy, come on, man. <laughs> and then the next one is like him like not flushing the toilet and he, he like doesn't flush the yeah. toilet. <laughs> and Clifford has to come out and tell people like, I can't believe I'm having this conversation, but please flush the toilet when you go to the bathroom. He's like, I don't know. I don't want to know who did it. And Jimmy's like, oh, it was me. I'm trying to save water. <laughs> And then, like, oh, yeah, it ends with him playing the bagpipes at work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then another one was I had Kim prepping, which was, I think, in, it was season two, I think. It's yeah. that one where it's, it's really, like, her... Getting all her notes she's for trying her. To, she's trying to get a client or get out of doc review, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of a cool... I think that was one of the early it is a cool moments with Kim where you're kind of... You really root for her because you want her to... She's really, like, putting the work in to... To try to get, it's kind of cool. It's got like the post-its on the yeah the glass. I remember that. It's like raining, and she's in the parking garage. That is a good montage. I forgot about that one. Another montage or montages that I I forget about is like kind of the uh, the ones in the beginning, like when it was the black and white sequences, like in the all, every season, but season six when it shows Gene, yeah, and it's it's always some old song, and there's like, a few of them, yeah. It kind of starts off as a montage, then it kind of turns into whatever the scene is. But yeah, there's, there's a, a so there's many the Marco one where they're like pulling the scams in season one. Yeah, that's a good one. There's like I think I counted. There's like nine or ten. There's something in the whole series. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, there's quite a lot. But the last one I wanted to do was uh, this. Is one of my nominees was the Tapioca Tundra in the Breaking Bad episode. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which, that by the way, the, uh, I have to correct something. When we did the last podcast, you said that there would be an episode called Breaking Bad. Oh yeah. And I said no, there probably wouldn't be as too meta. And you you were right about that. I thought you were right though at the time. I, I did not. I was like, is this too corny of a thing? Yeah. I was kind of surprised that they did, did that, but. There's an episode in uh, Breaking Bad called Better Call Saul. So, of yeah. course, there's going to be an episode in Better Call Saul called Breaking Bad. But, but yeah, the, the song by uh, Michael Nesmith, who was the singer for the Monkees. Yeah. I think that's just an incredible song. Like, I really liked it. I didn't realize that's who it was until after I yeah, heard it Yeah, apparently, like, I don't know if it was Peter Gould or it was like maybe one of the writers. Tom but, Schnauss. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, you know yeah he'd was. written that. He had said that, like, on the Insider podcast that he had... It was, like, the day before he was supposed to start directing that the breaking bad episode there right. was like there was like a monkeys 
Yeah, he said show, he went and like, saw him or something in concert. In, was yeah, there was like it was like in Los Angeles. He ended up taking like the red eye. Like his family drove him like straight to the airport, and he. But it ended up being like one of the last right yeah. concerts that the monkeys kind of or the those members were were did before. I can't remember which one of them passed away, but yeah, he, it was it was him. Yeah, he he passed away. Oh, okay, Michael yeah, himself, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember hearing that. I didn't remember who it was, but you're right. It was, I thought that was a cool. That was a neat that he was able to go and that he was able to get back. Back and I think he thought it was a bad idea at the time, but looking back, he was glad that he was able to squeeze it in. And it ended up not throwing off the episode, like because he had. It really he, did capture the sadness of what he was doing at that point. So I thought that was a really good moment. Anyway. Kind of a demo version of the song, like. Yeah, it's the not the original one that they did only, back like, in the sixties. Solo version, which makes it seem more lonely. Yeah, no, it's a really sad song. I mean, it's like it's a really good song. So I don't know. That would be that would be my choice personally, but you might have a different one. I don't know. As the, that was your was winner. My, my winner, yeah. My winner was the something stupid, just because I feel like I'm picking kind of obvious. No, that would ones, be my my close second was something stupid. Mostly just because, like we were talking earlier about how like Kim and Jimmy are like the heart of the. Mm-hmm. show and i feel like that was just like a moment it was kind of a shows a strong divide between of. them two you know? oh yeah yeah you're right the way they shot it with yeah. the you know the panel shot with them together at the beginning and then like eventually just them do, doing two different things yeah you know to me the that montage is almost like the whole show like in in a nutshell kind yeah. of in yeah. a way yeah I might, I might have to reconsider that might be my pick too that's a good pick anyway a lot of great montages yeah Okay, so next category is best death on the show. Yeah. I have three for here for this one. I, I didn't know whenever I read that on the message you sent me, I didn't know if you meant like I meant you like, meant like one exciting that like, death. Yeah, like memorable or exciting or tragic or whatever kind of. Yeah. What, you know, like spectacular. I don't mean like it was cool or what. I don't know. I don't know exactly how I meant kind it. Kind of a just, funny thing to. Yeah. <laughs> but I had Nacho. Um, going out like he did, like a man. Of course, Howard, you know, as pivotal as it was. And then I had uh, Mike shooting Warner in the desert just because of how it ch- changed Mike. But I think you're the one that says you thought Chuck should be in there as well. Yeah, Chuck is the one I had picked. But I was thinking it more of as, again, as like at the core of the sh- what the show is. Like I thought it was the most substantial for mm-hmm. the story of the, the whole show kind of thing. Yeah. Especially yeah. with like Jimmy becoming Saul and it was and that was a sad episode as well um, the lantern episode that was such a turning point in the series it was yeah there's like this that's the other thing that's sad about the show is like you can imagine this other world where Chuck and Jimmy are on like more aligned mm-hmm. they don't kind of hate each other and like you see in the flashback in lantern where they are kids and they're like you know they're reading a story to each other and there's another scene later on where they're doing karaoke and you're like okay maybe there's a world where these two guys got along where jimmy doesn't become this this thing he becomes you know i liked that scene that they had with him and chuck in the finale that's kind of i know looking back the chuck part is it's almost like maybe the more boring era of the show it's not Mm. as exciting and you kind of get annoyed by chuck but you do root for that relationship where it feels tragic that they weren't able to like get along and all this. Yeah. I think that scene is supposed to take place like maybe right before 
season one or something, or it's like right near. Yeah, I think they said right that, at the yeah. beginning to where you can kind of tell that there's still like a warmth there, mm-hmm. and you're just like, man, that's yeah, that it's, really it's is like sad. kind of the one of the core things of, with Jimmy is like losing his brother, and that that relationship is like. It's just a sad relationship the way it ends because, uh, like I said, I do think there's a world where these two guys get along and they're, they're good brothers. But yeah. Anyway, but yeah, that's a good that's a good that's a good death. Uh, that was a great death. <laughs> my pick would probably be Howard, just because of the impact it had. On his him. yeah, his was the most shocking, and it yeah, and it had more to do with the in the way the the end of it kind of shaped out. It was very affected by. That was a turning point in the, that part of the show. It changed everything. Um, okay, so next category, best lawyering, which is like best lawyering, best legal maneuvering. So tell me what some of yours would be. This one. I had the, I think you called it like Cushada or... Cushada, yeah. The, the Hewell, Hewell uh, defense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was really funny. Uh, the one after he hit the police officer. And then uh, chicanery, I thought was like... Now, when you say chicane, you're uh, talking about Jimmy's ploy to put the cell phone yeah, in his pocket? Oh, yeah. yeah. Jimmy's side of it. I put the Huel thing was, like, funny. Chicanery was, like, the most monumental, like, kind of mm-hmm. affected the story the most, probably. And then the other one was Saul in the finale, which was I thought was probably the most impressive as far as getting it down to, yeah. like, seven years. And I was doing more along the lines of, like, best actual lawyering, not necessarily yeah. the... Like how it impacted the show, but like yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's a show about lawyers, like half the cast is yeah. lawyers in the show. Yeah. So I was like, what was the actual? Who was the best lawyer in the show? Oh, it was like yeah. a good question, okay. you know. Like, and they're all like we talked about this in the last episodes. Like, we're they're all really good lawyers in different ways. But yeah, I had the same ones. I had the Kishada episode where Kim figures out that public pressure will get the DA to back off. Um, Jimmy talking the DA down to seven years when he's done all these terrible things. I thought that was really cool the way he like says I only need one. Yeah. And he's like, it's a criminal trial basically. If one juror believes my side of the story, like you're not gonna get anything. So he's able to talk him down to like seven years. And he creates a pretty good narrative where he says, Hey Walter White forced me to do all these things. He's the drug kingpin. He's done all these things. Mm-hmm. You know? So I thought that was really good lawyer on his part. And then the other one I had was Chuck building the case with Jimmy against um sandpiper sandpiper yeah yeah sandpiper yeah um that rich schweikert um represents but when they have the shredded documents and he puts them all together and then he realizes that because they ship the products across state line that it's actually a rico case that he can get them for conspiracy to commit fraud like i thought that was really good lawyering on chuck's part that's a tough one i think (laughs) because they really are a lot of they're all really smart that's Chuck, the thing with Chuck. Also, when he like is is doing the back and forth with Howard and the Mesa Verde, when they're like talking tax law or whatever, mm-hmm. remember that when when Kim loses the account to Chuck. Yeah, like right at the end, kind of. Or yeah, it's like well, she she has Mesa Verde, and they're trying to get the account back or whatever okay. after she leaves, and it's, yeah. it's Chuck and Howard, and they're talking to um, Kevin. And they're like, oh, we know all about tax law and it's boring and all this. And they're trying to like basically say, hey, go with Kim. But then they keep bringing up something that they know that she wouldn't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like giving this like kind of this spill. It's really funny, but it's like, oh, yeah, that's really boring. But if you get it wrong, that could be like 20 years. You know, like he keeps getting all these details and stuff. Like, 
they wrote that stuff really well. Like they, it was yeah. really effective. It's very believable. Like I mean, I don't know lawyer law. Yeah, it shows you like how good Chuck is though at his job as a lawyer. Yeah, I think Chuck is definitely the best lawyer in the show. Yeah, but not criminal law. No. <laughs> that was the thing with Saul Goodman is like, even if he was like an unlikable or doing, he's usually he was likable, but he was doing like wrong things. You couldn't say he was a bad lawyer. Like he was good at yeah getting away with all this stuff. He oh could yeah, always, no, his tactics were good. Even in the finale, he kept like, you don't want to do that, and he'd like come up with some way of explaining like. Mm-hmm. Like whenever they're on the plane and he wants to talk to his lawyer, his counsel, what's that guy's name? Oh, man. Now I'm forgetting. I'm drawing a blank, but yeah, I know you're talking about. The marshal is like, you can't talk to him. And he's like, well, what if I say something that you could use that against me? You kind could of use thing. it against me, yeah. So you like, might as well oh, let me talk. Okay, make it quick. <laughs> but yeah, No, he, he knew, his, he knew his, his law. That's one thing for sure. So my winner for that is going to be Jimmy talking himself down to seven years. Yeah, that was the one I... Just because that's incredible. Like, all the stuff was stacked against him, and he, like, he got got it down. I mean, he screwed it up, and eventually got the 80, 86 years or whatever, but originally getting him down to seven years is pretty cool. And I'm glad they kind of gave you the, the Saul win before they kind of gave you the Jimmy so he's win. Right away. Yeah. You're right, yeah. Okay, saddest moment. We talked about some of these. I had Kim on the bus crying, which is just a really sad moment. I talked about this one a minute ago with Chuck and Jimmy as kids in the Lantern episode. Mm. And then Jimmy finalizing his divorce when he actually mm. fully turns into Saul. When she meets him in the office and he's like so perfunctory about it. And he's like, well, good luck. You know, no. That was hard emotion. to watch. Yeah, because it's, it's just, you know, that's not what he's feeling at all. But he's put on this brave face to be like, yeah, I'm over it. So, anyway, those are, those are, like, some of my saddest moments. I had Werner's death, like, mm-hmm. for Mike. Yeah. And then Kim and Jimmy smoking at the end, like, that, like, hit me kind of hard it was, in yeah. the moment. And then uh, Nacho's death, which I thought was just, like, really heartbreaking. That it had come to that, that it, that was the only, his only way out. Those but, again, like, when I, the, when you first, I wrote even here, like, not a show I cry at often. <laughs> this is the one where I looked back on it later and I was like it is like the whole show is sad like everything's yeah. sad like the stuff with Chuck and every it's maybe that's I'm kind of more, a tough one to maybe pick. I'm more in touch with my emotions than you Jeff yeah probably <laughs> <laughs> you're just like yeah who cares yeah cause I, I picked Nacho's death as the saddest but I don't know if that's I think mine would be Kim on the bus even though yeah. it's an obvious moment and it's like okay of course it's a sad moment cause you're crying but like, not so much for that, but just because it's the accumulation of all the other things that have She's happened. been holding it together for so, so long. Yeah. It just feels like this whole weight of the world is coming down on you. And she's made this really brave decision to go back and tell the truth about what happened. She'll go back to Albuquerque. I liked how in the last two episodes, she's in the Waterworks episode, that, that one more. Mm-hmm. But th- they did a good job of, like, she just kind of had, like, a couple few scenes but they really showed her going from being really closed off and living kind of in hiding basically to like slowly kind of like by the end when she goes back to volunteer at the law office i thought that was great too that she volunteered at the law office because it's like okay yeah this is a passion of yours shouldn't give it up entirely like it's funny because it's such a small thing but it means it just means so much to that character and to where you're kind of like okay she's on the right track like yeah. And the way her, her relationship with Jimmy kind of 
I feel like she's going to be okay. Came back. Yeah. At the end of it. yeah. You know that she was away for so long during the Breaking Bad stuff. But I, I don't know. I, I thought they did it really, like, economically, like, showed her effectively, like, where she had been and then kind of how she was starting to come out of it. And they did. They did a really good job with that. All right. So what's the next What's the next one? Okay. So we'll do uh, Best Cameo. Okay. I wrote down three, but you might have some more because there's a ton of cameos in the show. I mean, this is like almost every Breaking Bad character that's relevant is like in this show. This one was added like last, and I didn't have a chance to sit down and think through it, but we'll figure something out. Well, the three that I had, well, I had Walt and Jesse, of course. We had to do that one. I had Marie in the finale. And then I did this one just for fun, but I put Splooge in there. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. They had a lot of stuff like that where it was like one little moment where you're like, oh, is that? Just because what? it was the one where I was like, wait a minute, who is that guy? I think I, think I know him. And I was like, oh, wait a minute, that's Splooch. And yeah. because you, the last time you saw him, he was uh, not head, looking his, quite Yeah, that. his head was crushed by an ATM. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the two uh, meth heads that rob Skinny Pete or whatever in Breaking Bad. But here you see him, like, not all methed out yet. Like, I don't he's, know if like, he started his meth like, habit. Wearing or... a suit. <laughs> You're like, wait a hold on. Who is it? Hold on. Maybe he hasn't quite gone down that road yet, but... <laughs> it was funny to see, like, a nice, clean splooge. Like, you know, <laughs> doesn't know what's coming ahead for him. But anyway, those are three that I have, but there's a ton of them in the show. I'm trying to think of others. I mean, they have... I mean, Tuco's in there, of course. Like, know. Crazy Eight. Or crazy uh, Eight, yeah. Uh, Emilio, even. I yeah. Think, towards the, the end was like... He was in, like, the... Breaking Bad episode, I think. I think it was. Briefly. Yeah, it was one of those. Yeah, the one where Jesse talks to Kim. Yeah. Right. Don Eladio was in there. Yeah. Some of the characters they started off feeling like they were going to be a cameo, but then they played a little bit a bigger yeah, role, like bigger. A Tuco or a Hector. Mm-hmm. I started rewatching Breaking Bad like last mm-hmm. week, and one of the last episodes I watched was was the second episode of season two, and it's when they introduce Hector. Right. And when uh, Tuco takes Walt and Jesse out to, like, that house, like, out way out right, in the yeah. boonies. He's going like, to, like, take Walt to Mexico. Like, all you know about him is he's this old man <laughs> that, like, can't talk, and he's, like, in a wheelchair, and he's, like, at the bell. Yeah. It's so funny like, to be, like, watch it now. You're like, oh, I know, like, how he got. <laughs> how he got in that he, chair yeah. with that bell, yeah. <laughs> I like also when he's making fajitas or whatever, and they're trying to poison him. And he's ringing the bell nonstop, and then he just, like, throws the burrito off the table <laughs> And, and Tuco's like getting more and more pissed off and then he thinks it's because like they mess with him or whatever and, and Walt's like no we changed the channel man like he was, he was trying to watch the, the, the honeys on TV <laughs> yeah shout out to Hector man what was your winner for that one um I'm actually gonna go with Marie in the upset a lot of people say Walt and Jesse cause it was really cool but I didn't expect to see her at all so it was the most surprising cameo to me and like I said earlier, it kind of did bring back the events of Breaking Bad to where you go, oh, yeah, there's just, like, people that died. There's a lot, a, a lot of people that died long. as a result of the things that you guys did. So yeah. I think they needed to have some kind of reminder of that world. And since Hank is dead and Walt's dead and Jesse's gone and Gomez is dead and all these people are dead, she's only one of the only people left to really bring back. You know, I mean, I guess they could have done Skyler, but, you know, I think it was more appropriate. It wouldn't have made as much sense. Yeah. Because it wouldn't, she wouldn't have been there. She's kind of a co-conspirator in a way. Like she, yeah. You know, so having Marie, who was a complete innocent in the show, do it. I think it was was appropriate. I think I'm going to have to go with Walt and Jesse just because they're the ones that, I I mean. They're the front runners, I mean, for this award. It's probably a two 
boring of an answer, but for me, like looking back on the show, like watching the show, part of the fun of it was anticipating how it was going to run into Breaking Bad. And I think I always assumed it would be more intertwined, like I did kind too, of thing, yeah. like in the sixth season or, or I thought by the fifth or sixth that they'd be in Breaking Bad and kind of going through. I thought they would do a little more stuff with him meeting Walt which they did kind of do that a little bit, but like maybe more about their yeah. relationship or something. But at the same time, I was like, after it's all over, I'm like, I don't know if I needed that, but it, I think that was part of the fun of watching it is wondering how it was going to connect. So I'm wondering on the rewatch, mm-hmm. if I, I can kind of just let go of all that, the breaking bad stuff. And if where's when's Walt and Jesse going to be, be there. And I can just kind of just watch it as the story that it's actually telling. I think also I would say I didn't love the first Walt and Jesse cameo that much. I mean, it was it was good and it was like a fan service way. I, I was excited that in that sense, like oh cool, they're back on the show, mm-hmm. like in that sense. But I did think it broke up the story momentum a little bit. Like maybe there might have been a way to do it that was less kind of intrusive to the show. Each of their scenes were like flashbacks or like they kind of were mm-hmm. a moment out of the episodes, which that was one thing with the last few episodes where I was like like on a rewatch maybe I'll know for sure but like is it too much jumping around and I think they did a good job of making it relate to whatever was going on in the actual it did yeah thematically it tied together because he's thinking back on how he got into this whole mess and it was meeting meeting Walt and Jesse in the desert and all that I liked the individual scenes like I really enjoyed Kim and Jesse like that to me was the best one by far I thought that was I was like, wow. Because, <laughs> like I said, they're, they're kind of tied together in a way. They're similar characters. They're kind of the heart of the, both of the moral center of the shows, kind of. Yeah, and to see Jesse, I mean, you know, we have to suspend disbelief a little bit because Aaron Paul's 43, <laughs> playing a 20-year-old kid or whatever he's supposed to be. But to see him, like, being back to the old Jesse is like a fun, carefree kid and just shooting the shit with this lady and... Like, you don't know the world of shit that's about to come down on you. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I think I saw, like, an interview with Ray Seahorn where she was talking about how, like, Kim's at the end of her tr- yeah. journey, and he's, like, right at, the, right beginning. at the beginning. So they're kind of, like, basically, like, if there was some way that she could talk to him and tell her story to Jesse, maybe he would have had a different path or something. But It's it, a good moment. Yeah, and I've heard them, even like Vince Gilligan, say like it's not like a necessary moment, but it was still kind of a, it felt kind of earned. I liked it, yeah. I liked it to see them two together. And I like her line, too, when she asked if, if he's any good, talking about Saul. He's talking about his lawyering, but yeah. she says, yeah, when I knew him, he was. Yeah. Like, talking You're about like, the man oof. that he was, yeah. I rewatched the Walt one or when I rewatched the finale last night. Mm-hmm. I liked the scene, but he felt more like... Walt in that one than he did to me like in the El Camino scene right. or the uh, one from like the couple episodes before that in the RV. Well, I think when he was doing the RV and they talked about this in one of the Insider podcasts was like the director kept having to tell him like more like the early Walt like you're too oh, yeah, yeah. you're too close to the end Walt like he's because he, Walt changed a lot through the course of the show. Yeah. So this is Walt when he's just getting started in this criminal. He's still scared. He still doesn't know what he's doing. You know. I like that they didn't because it's this big cameo and everyone's like waiting for it kind of and it's you're excited to see Walt but they kept him as like this vindictive like mean guy you're like yeah that's who he was like he, you he kind of wanted yeah. to come out and be like you know 
everybody's yeah. favorite <laughs> uncle or something like that but he's like sitting there just like insulting Saul like constantly and that I don't know I, I was glad that they kind of did that it wasn't like a softball kind of thing they kind of made him let him be no, like no you see we talked about most pompous earlier he would be in the most pompous <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not a lawyer but yeah no, I thought they did a good job with this cameo, so I'll go with that if you want to go with that one. That's a good. Well, one. we don't have to agree. Yeah, we, we disagree. We agree yeah. to disagree. I don't know. I liked Betsy Brandt in there too, and yeah, she was unexpected. There's a lot of good cameos. Yeah, There's a lot of good ones on the show. Yeah. All right, final category. You, you give it. This was the series MVP. When you asked this, I thought you meant characters, but then when you gave your nominees, you gave one that or I I wrote a. Uh, Kim, Jimmy, and Mike. Mm-hmm. And then you had... I had Bob Odenkirk, Ray Seahorn, and Peter Gould. Yeah. Yeah. Like, because I was thinking more of the people responsible for the show for this question than the, the characters in the show. But your way of thinking about it makes sense. Maybe too. we could do both, like, most valuable character uh, in yeah. BC. <laughs> and then the... Because I do feel like I'd have a different answer. Yeah. Most valuable creator, most valuable character. I don't know. Something. Contributor. I don't know. But my feeling was like, who who's responsible for the show's success overall was like the way I was thinking of it. Yeah, I would agree with that because you're. I mean, you're saying like Peter Gould. Well, Peter Gould created the show, so you got to give him some love. Um, <laughs> but the two main characters are Jim, Jimmy, and Kim. So I feel like it's a lot about what they do as well. So my pick would be of the ones I mentioned would would be Ray Seahorn. And it's a tough call because obviously the show is about Jimmy and Bob Goden. Odenkirk gives an amazing performance as Jimmy. I feel like he doesn't get probably the respect he should get for his performance, like the way that yeah. Brian Cranston got for for Walter. I hope he wins it, Emmy too. I do. I think he, I think he will. I think his work in this last season is really really good. And surviving a heart attack and well, yeah, that on top of it all, on top of everything else he does. And I've known this guy. I mean, I'm not knowing him like personally, but like his work for a long time. Yeah. I was a big fan of Mr. Show way back in the day. You know, he wrote on like The Simpsons and stuff on Saturday Night Live. Like, he's been around Van for a Lo- long time. He wrote the Chris Farley like living in a van down by the river. Yeah, I think, he, I think he wrote that that episode. You're right. I've known him in my life for like a long time, and to see him become this incredible character actor on this show, especially from where he started with Better Call Saul, where it's this bit part that's supposed to be comic relief, to building this thing. He does deserve a lot of credit, but I, I will say for me, when I think about the show, I tend to think about Kim more than him in some ways. Like, I think her arc is just as important, if not more important, than, than his. I think a lot of it is uh, you know where he's going for the most part, especially in the earlier, the prequel part mm-hmm. of the show. And she's such an unknown. She's kind of ends up being like the life of the show yeah. in a way. I'd voted for Kim as the, for the character as the most valuable character. But uh, after all you, you said about, as far as like Saul or, or, or Bob Odenkirk, like, yeah, I don't It's tough I because you can't do a show without any of them, really. I mean, they're all super important. And Peter Gould created the show, so obviously there's not even a show without him. But I just feel like, I don't know, when I watch it, I have this connection to Kim more than I think any of the other characters. Yeah. And that's because of the performance that Ray Seahorn gives. Because she does so much work in this show that is hard to do. Because she's not, she doesn't have these moments on screen as much where you get to kind of deliver this. Like a lot of what she's doing is silent or it's, it's subtle. It's not like, like when she's doing the Florida stuff, it's, none of it is like, oh, I'm sad or, you know, my life sucks. It's not like, 
it's not like she's crying in the bathroom or something or like it's all just she's very happy go lucky but you can tell there's this like profound sadness in her she's but a very together character. like she's still yeah you recognize her as still being kim but you also recognize her as like a diminished version Very of her and you're just like version of Kim. That, that is something that we were like you don't a lot of the show is more subtle than it's there's a lot of subtle stuff happening in it but uh her performance is amazing i feel like as the show goes on because she's not even really in the first season that much it's mm-hmm. more about jimmy in that first season but as the show goes on it be, the focus tends to shift more towards her mm-hmm. and what she's doing and it almost becomes an equal tragedy for her that it does for jimmy and like i said she's not written to be that necessarily i mean as the show goes on they wrote more stuff for her but but she is her performance it just nails it so and she is the one like when we're making our predictions we're like okay you can take these guys you can take them off the board but if they killed kim it would have that would have like changed everybody's perspective of the show it's interesting hearing the writers like talk about that now because they'll be like like vince gilligan's like we were never going to kill Kim. Like, that was never in the plan. We knew we were never going to kill her. We had to act coy when we were in interviews because there's a lot of drama in that. But if they had killed her, that would have changed everything. And I don't really care about Emmys, honestly, because, like, who cares about Emmys? But if you're going to talk about, like, someone who should should have gotten more respect, it's definitely Ray Seahorn for not winning any Emmy so far for this. Hopefully yeah. she went for this last one. And I don't follow it to know who the other nominees were. Maybe they were better. But it's hard to imagine any actress doing better work than she's done over the last six years, you know. I'm trying to think of who the other people would... I know as far as, like, shows nominated, like, there's Succession and Squid Game and... Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't keep up with it as far as, like, all the categories. I know there's also, like, a drama and a comedy and there's, you know, supporting. I don't really keep up with it, but the way I do the Oscars. But I'm just saying for her not to have won any Emmys... I don't think she was nominated even before so. this last season. It's kind of like like John Hamm. I think he finally won in the last mm. season for Mad Men. But yeah. It's like, how did this guy never win like for this incredible character? Yeah, I, I really hope. I don't. It's funny. Like I like watching the Emmys, but I don't usually care. Or or the front runner is some show. Like, I'm like, eh. It's I'll watch okay. it this year because I think yeah. Better Call Saul is going to clean up. But <laughs> I would love to see. That we would just need to sweep everything. Like just yeah. Be, like Titanic or something. I think it is their year. Because they're going to be uh, eligible next year. Oh, because of the way they divided the show. Yeah, because it was like the first half aired for this Emmy Awards eligibility window. And then the next half. So they're, they're still going to be... That's going to be weird when like next Emmys that's like, Better Call Saul is nominated again if it's... They might give it to them this year just yeah. to kind of let them have their moment. But... I mean, I know it's kind of, I guess it's like a voted thing, so they're not like, it's not like a, we, we've decided to give it to you this, anyway. <laughs> yeah, and everybody on the show could get, get at least one, because they're all great. Like, all yeah. the writers, all you know, the directors, like everybody. I think they have the momentum, This, especially since it's all ending, and mm-hmm. the last episodes were airing, like, while the voting was happening kind of thing, so it's kind of the, the key, sh- the big show, <laughs> like, right there, as, as everyone was like, voting so they, it has the spotlight so, which is which is cool but i love like you know succession and everything but i think if succession like one i'd be like oh man <laughs> especially the way they jerked us around this last season 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm still not over that with the Kendall Royce. Yeah, if you want to uh, hear more of our thoughts yeah. on Succession, listen to the top <laughs> top 10. 21 or top 10 TV shows of 2021. Yeah. Yeah. Because we know if you're getting this far into this episode, then you have tons of extra time to go listen. Because <laughs> we're, we're, I think we're at two hours now. Well, let's let's yeah, go let's, ahead and wrap it up. Yeah. And let's do the uh, the last segment. So. Yeah, if we still have energy to go. Th- so, f- final thoughts on Saul with Breaking Bad and just our overall thoughts. Or- I think the show really did a great job of capturing some of the elements of Breaking Bad, but adding to it in terms of like the mistakes that we make in life, the moral choices that we make. And I talked about this in the last podcast, and I talked about it in a, a blog I did on the show, is I think both these shows are about morality and how the things that you do affect other people. And this show, even more than Breaking Bad, I think cemented that ideal that, you know, when you make bad choices, either because they're fun or cool or, you know, you're good at it or whatever the reason for doing it, it does hurt other people. And you have to weigh that into what you're doing. And that's not to say, like, I mean, we all make mistakes, obviously. I'm not trying to be, like, a moral high ground guy. But, like, the more the show goes on, the more you're kind of like, I wish Jimmy would make better choices. And you kind of see the cumulative effect of that. So, anyway, I thought it had 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 profound impact on me thinking about it that way. They're really very complementary to Mm. each other. Like, I I was mentioning, like, I started rewatching Breaking Bad. And it's funny because that show is so propulsive and you're, you're in the moment with Walt and you're kind of I was thinking even though the way it's shot like with the handheld cameras mm-hmm. it just feels so much more like has like a Cin- vitality cinematic, to it I would say. cinematic but it, or kind of in a different way and also like the thing of him getting cancer so it's there's this ticking clock on everything it's almost like a I have to live my life to the fullest kind of thing only mm-hmm. him living his life to the fullest is not doing good <laughs> But you get so wrapped up in in that, and Better Call Saul isn't the momentum kind of thing isn't there. It's it's more of a slow kind of meditative thing. I was talking about this on a Facebook feed because I'm on like some fan pages for Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Like I compared the two a little bit to The Godfather and Godfather Two, where when I was younger I liked The Godfather a lot more, and as I got older I liked Godfather Two a lot more. But Godfather 2 is, is a much sadder film than the first Godfather. Like, in, a part of you wants Michael to be this kingpin. Like, he's the smartest son. He's the most capable. Mm-hmm. So Vito Corleone is going to go down. Like, he's the one to take over his empire. And a lot of the killing and stuff that he does is, like, kind of necessary for his family to survive. So you're kind of rooting for him. But when you get to Godfather 2, you're like, oh, yeah, but this guy is now a, a terrible person. He's, like, ruining people ruining people's ruining his own family's lives on top of everybody else and you just like I hate this guy mm-hmm. and Breaking Bad even though it's, it's a different character obviously with Walt and Saul I think Saul is in a way kind of the reckoning a little bit for Breaking Bad it's like okay yeah what Walt did was cool and fun and exciting but that's not the way you can live your life either like there's a there's a consequence to this and I, I like I think it's a different contextual show in that way like it's it's kind of telling you there's 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 an effect to this thing that you did you know maybe yeah. that's too deep I don't know but no no no. I, no that's good yeah it's funny watching Breaking Bad after Better Call Saul because your Breaking Bad is like it's like rushing to it's like it's getting like wilder and wilder as it as it goes and I think the way they made it is you're kind of rooting for him to 
break bad and all. Yeah, yeah, you are. I don't think I real I remembered how much of like a the Skylar character is like. I think they tried to get away from it as they got further into the story, mm-hmm. but early on, like she's so much like the nagging like oh, wife, yeah, for like, sure. and for they sure. really like lean in into that to where you're meant to have of, sympathy for Walt. Yeah, and you should have sympathy for him in the early seasons. Like there, there is reasons to have sympathy for him. He is a guy who works two jobs to support his family. He has a son with cerebral palsy. He's got a wife that doesn't work and chastises him about you know a ten dollar credit card bill or whatever. <laughs> like you know he's getting turkey bacon for his birthday. I mean it's just like he has a really sad life and then he gets cancer on top of all that. You're like you should have sympathy for this guy. And the great trick of Breaking Bad is that by the end of it, you're like, oh, wait a minute. This guy that we've been rooting for is a monster. Mm-hmm. We've been rooting for this monster the whole time. But like I said, I think the, the difference between the two shows is that we know the consequences of what Jimmy's doing. Like, we know this doesn't end well. We didn't necessarily know how it was going to end for Walter, you know. I mean, not that we mm-hmm. thought he was going to be, like, a good guy or something. But, we, you know, it was exciting to see what he was going to do next. With, with, with Jimmy, we know the outcome, you know, ahead of time. Thinking about the two shows also in the time frame that they came out, I think the world is a very different place now in 2022 than it was in 2007, 2008, whenever Breaking Bad came out. It's like the ideal, the white male anti-hero was kind of a cool thing at the time, mm-hmm. you know. And I think now we've seen that trope so many times that they couldn't do Saul the same way they did in Breaking Bad. I think they had to do something different, so... I think the Kim character is even kind of a response to Skylar and kind of how yeah. people would, had viewed her. They're, not that they're the same character, but as far as like kind of being a key female character connected to the male lead <laughs> or whatever. She's yeah, more she of feels like a, more uh, like she has autonomy. She has yeah. you know, agencies. You don't save yeah. me, I save me kind of thing. Yeah, she's a much stronger female protagonist. Not that I didn't think Skylar had her moments. Certainly at the end she did. But, yeah, it does feel like Skylar is, she's stuck in Walt's world, for better or worse. Mm-hmm. Whereas Kim is like, she doesn't have to be a part of this world with Jimmy. And she finally chooses not to be. Yeah. Okay, how do you see, it, like, in TV as a whole, like, how do you think this show fits in with, with everything? I can't even really, like, compare it to any other show. Because it's a great show in its own right, but it's also kind of dependent on Breaking Bad, too. Because it sets up that world, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's... It's kind of unique in that way, but this might be like a weird thing to say, but there's a case to be made. It's the last vestige of prestige TV, if you want to think about it that way. And I don't mean like there's there's not going to be any other good TV shows. There's good TV shows right now. But are we getting to the end of like the golden age of television, this run that we had from The Sopranos on to this, this 20-year period that we kind of had of just these incredibly well-written, directed, acted shows there doesn't seem to be as many of them anymore. As many shows that want to say something anymore. Like even Succession, as much as I like it, I don't know what it's trying to say. Mm. Unless you just want to say rich people are bad or something. Like I mean, I guess it's doing that. But <laughs> like, I don't know that there's many shows that really have that kind of profound impact the way that Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul did. So I'm just kind of curious if this is maybe the end of the prestige era in some ways. Yeah. I, I do think like if someone was going to watch just one of them, I would... Breaking Bad is the one that stands on its own the most. Mm-hmm. Sure. Because it's not tied down to anything. But if I would say if you watch Breaking Bad and you you know, you know love it and you want more of the story, it's the best prequel thing I've, I've ever seen. I, don't, yeah. I think no, it'll really. always be like a model of how to do that right. Like what... Yeah, how to build a spinoff. 
I think people would think, you know, like prequels can't be good because you know how the characters, how their stories all end. But that's not necessarily true if you make the the well, emotional they can, stuff. They can be a reimagining work. though. Like like Wicked is a reimagining of Wizard of Oz. Like. Mm-hmm. What if we don't know the whole story behind how this happened? You know? Yeah. So it does satisfy that element, you know. Yeah. I think it's a, you know, I think I think it works as like one of the best, if not the best, spinoffs we've ever seen. It is in an odd spot in a way because you think of like, you know, the Mount Rushmore of TV, and I don't. It almost like could go there, but it's. I would still put Breaking Bad probably ahead of it, mm-hmm. but they work so well together. And they I, do. I don't even know. For the whole time I've been watching Better Call Saul, I've been like, I really like this, but Breaking Bad, I think, is a better show. And I, I think I, I think I still feel that way, but I don't know. I, I, my hands are kind of in the air about that. Probably at have this to point. probably have to revisit it too. You know, yeah. we, we've lived with Breaking Bad for so long, we've gotten to re-see it so many times. Like, I haven't done a complete rewatch of Better Call Saul, so how it hits me, you know, that's yeah. another thing where I think Godfather, Godfather Two is a good comparison. Is like. When you first see The Godfather, you don't have to see Godfather 2. Mm-hmm. But once you've seen Godfather 2, you're like, oh, I can't watch them separately of each other. Like, they're, yeah. they're, they're one and the same. Like, yeah, two sides of the same coin kind of thing. Yeah, and Godfather 2 also fills in the backstory of Vito Corleone mm-hmm. as well. So you get that part of it. But then it's also like, okay, Michael's story is not through. Yeah. So I think, like, yeah, if you just watch Breaking Bad, that's fine. But once you've seen Better Call Saul, you're like, oh, these two shows need to go, to, go together. So... That's a legacy, too. Like. All right. Well, uh, I think we've said almost everything. We have. There's no more yeah. left to say. <laughs> I'm just going to miss the high-quality storytelling and getting really wrapped up in, in something that, that deep. A lot of the, I like a lot of stuff that's still on, but it, I don't feel like the stuff is hitting in, at th- this deep of a like enjoyment kind of thing. And I don't know. It was, yeah. it was a special thing. <laughs> I'm yeah, glad we really got to was. watch it. It really was. Yeah. It's an incredible show. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Yeah, go watch Better Call Saul. <laughs> if you've been listening to this for two and a half hours and you haven't watched an episode of Better Call Saul, uh, I don't know what to tell you. But <laughs> All right, well, I'll, well I guess we'll, we're, we're kind of like allowing ourselves to just kind of go and go on, on this one just because it's the last time we'll probably really talk about it. So, yeah, thanks for doing this, Jack. Jeff, it's been awesome doing these with you. Yeah. Uh, been a lot of fun. Thanks for hosting this and doing a good job with it. Right, really enjoyed doing it, man. No problem. Thanks for listening, and uh, yeah, we'll talk to you all later. Okay, bye. Bye.